to the Dubious Consumers Podcast for the week of August 16th. My name is Justin Hurd. Nathan Steinman. Skyler Deal. And uh, I guess we're going to start out talking about the Deadpool trailer that's officially out there. Deadpool! So, um, I mean, everybody here has seen the Red Band trailer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which has a nice bit of cussing in it and, you know. The... There's, they're setting the fact that the tone is going to be what people want it to be. Right. right. It's, you know? I'm glad it's going to be like that. And I'm excited about a different tone to a superhero kind of masked person movie that's actually looks like it's fun, even though it's going to be kind of dark. You know, and personally, I like... I like the different tones. It's you know we'll end up kind of talking about that with the new Fantastic Four movie that yeah. came out because um, I have seen it, um, but you know I, th- I like the Deadpool. I like the jokes. I'm kind of surprised that they are going so hard R with the vulgarity. You know the you know you look like you your face is you know whatever the yeah. fuck the <laughs> topographical map of Utah. Yeah. Thank you. You know. I, <laughs> I'm okay with uh, T.J. Miller, like you yeah. know, I, I like him in um, Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. You know, I, I grew to like him on that show, but most of the, he's he's just a weird looking motherfucker. <laughs> it is what it is, right? Um, but yeah, we just watched the Green Band trailer, which was weird after watching the Red Band trailer. Yeah, because they just kind of cut around all this, like him doing the jump, you know. I Three thought it made it headshot. look more like a generic kind of trailer, to be honest. Like, just uh, like... Yeah. Eh, you know. It looks like generic uh, Ryan Reynolds fair. Yeah. In a PG-13, you know. Yeah. Like, it's the same type of jokes that you would see in um, his Green Lantern, or... Well, I don't know. There weren't that many jokes in Green Lantern that were actually... Unless you count the whole movie as a joke. But um bum ba dum Uh So, um... The one thing that I will say that I, like, I heard some complaint from a few people about, what are all the 90s references? And I was like, it's Ryan Reynolds. Huh. <laughs> it's, I think that's what they're going for is, you know, is that since Deadpool is a fourth wall breaking character in comic books, he's a comic book character that knows he's in comic books. I think it's going to end up where Deadpool, since now he's a movie character... He's going to be a movie character that is the only person that recognizes that he's in a movie. Well, I mean, his, and that's his, gonna his whole be thing the, is fourth wall breaking, so, yeah. you know. So I think that that's, they're they're keeping the, they're just moving it to movies, and I think we'll see a little bit of a... Well, that's interesting now. You know, I never was a Deadpool fan, because I never really knew about him or got into him, but now, I'm, you know, I'm curious. But Colossus is in the trailer, and I guess that means this is a Fox own oh, yeah. thing. So Fox. I'm like, is there going to be Deadpool in an X Men movie? And what are they going to do about the tone of that now if Deadpool's in there running around well, with them or I, something? I, I don't know. I don't think they're talking about actually doing a full on X Men crossover. Hmm. But I mean, even but in. there is the possibility. Yeah. But there's already r- rumors of if they make a second Deadpool that it might have cable in it. And so. How do you deal with that? Because <laughs> he's the summer. He's the he's a Summers. He's the child of uh, Jean Grey and Scott Summers. So how are they going to deal with that? It's if opening they, up a whole new can of worms right there. Yeah, it's just like there's all these things that 
you can ignore or use to your advantage. But the interesting thing is, as far as like the Deadpool thing is, we have a costume that's pretty accurate to the superhero costume in the in the comic books. He's actually ugly. <laughs> you know, they do. They're, right. they're not doing a lot of the the silly decisions that they often make. Well, I mean, we have seen Deadpool. We've seen Wade Wilson and Deadpool previously in the worst X Men movie. Yeah, <laughs> where they from the studio, the Baraka pool, <laughs> right? Yeah, where they sewed the Merc with a mouth his mouth shut, right. gave him Cyclops' powers, and uh, well, they they combined everybody's yeah. powers into him and made him the ultimate. He could teleport, yeah, shoot lasers, super mutant. Which was not played by Ryan Reynolds in that la- later portion yeah. of it. it was oh, a really? Man. Yeah, it was a stunt man. It, <laughs> if it if it wasn't Ray Park, it was one of the one of Ray Park's people. That, oh, oh, you mean Darth Maul, Ray Park? Yeah. Oh, like he actually did the action. That's why, like, that's why they shut the mouth and did all the eye makeup and shaved his head and stuff. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I was I never. Knew about Deadpool. I only heard about him. So when that movie came out, and I was like, okay, that's Deadpool. And but then you know the years since, everyone's just so hated hating that. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, Deadpool fans really hate that. And now we get to see what the real Deadpool is going to be like. I guess so. Good for the fans. I'm happy for you all. And uh, the thing that'll be nice is if is if this movie is really successful because there's a lot of people. I know more women who are excited about this, who love Deadpool. Just as many women as men that love Deadpool are super excited about this movie. I see a lot of Deadpool shirts lately, too. You see, I, well, it, I it's mean, been that way. Honestly, yeah. Deadpool, you know, I used to run a comic book shop, which, by the way, I am no longer employed by Vintage Stock. Woo! So, um, oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> those, unfortunately, those stories will not be as present. Obviously, I can look back on my history there. Yeah. But Deadpool was always one of our top sellers, right alongside Harley Quinn. The thing is, is that Harley Quinn is kind of like the female Deadpool in the comics right now. She's fourth wall breaking. She's got that kind of humor going for it. So, but the, you know, that was one where we had twelve people subscribe to it, whereas Batman had four. Or yeah. you know, you know, so that kind of tells you how oh, popular. Oh, for your pool and Wolf, yeah. really? The only Marvel character that is as popular or more popular than Deadpool is Wolverine. Like, I, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, Wolverine. The thing about Deadpool is, is Deadpool was really popular, had like four different books going on, and then they had a whole thing where like, hey, we're going to kill off three of these books. You decide which one stays. Like, that, <laughs> and, you know, but at that, by that point, Deadpool became super popular, whereas they have killed off Wolverine recently. Now yeah. he's back as old man Logan. Well, yeah. Dead, Deadpool is like a mainstream popular character, so I would think that there'd be some hardcore comic fans who don't like Deadpool now. Oh, of, of course. Well, You're always yeah. going to have somebody there's, who doesn't like the... There's always going to be the people who are like, oh, only posers like Deadpool. <laughs> it's so sad that like that old comic book cliche is still with us. It's one well, of those I sad... Mean, all, all the comic book cliches are still with us where, it's you know... Sad. That, that's one of the things I did like about working for Vintage Stock is because you did deal with movies, music, games, comics, toys, everything under the sun... Whenever a woman walked into the store, the imp- entire place did not become quiet and stare at the foreign beast. Oh, well, and that's that's <laughs> becoming, I think, 
less of a thing I, I, in at I, least in the Oklahoma comic book stores that I've gone to. And I, I honestly haven't been to some in a while, but I know the board game shops. It's still that same sort of thing. Man, on Free Comic <gasps> Book Day, there's just as many. There were just as many girls everywhere I went. Right. You know, well, I, I think it's the whole misappropriation of nerd culture. Uh, I, and I freaking hate the Big Bang Theory. You know, and well, but the, <laughs> the thing is, is like. I don't like. The, I'm not a fan of the Big Bang Theory, but at the same time, it's whatever it is. It's just pop culture is just a big thing. So everybody can have their own fandom, and everybody can do all that stuff. And that's it's like there's you know Doctor Who is a big thing. I'm a Doctor. I became a Doctor Who fan because of friends of mine showed me it over the years, and I became a big. My fan little brother of likes Doctor Who. He had his cake was the. the the phone booth, the TARDIS. The TARDIS. Yeah. I was like, wow, I've never watched Doctor Who. So, Oh, man, I, I've seen all of the new stuff, and I've seen some of the some of the different storylines from the... Who's the old, Doctor right now? What's his name? Uh, now? Peter Capaldi. Oh, man, in the loop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm Tucker. Oh, man. Uh, but actually, and that's what's funny, is like this, the going with the more adult tone is not something that... Marvel has ever completely done with Deadpool. There's always been hints. And the violence has always been pretty explicit in Deadpool comics. Hmm. But, like, he's always been the PG-13 leaning towards mature, you know. But they've never, they never, when they had the Max comics, they never did a, a Deadpool Max where he cursed and did all this stuff. Like, there would be, like, censored words like there have been in comics for a long time of different characters that are foul-mouthed or whatever, but... What was the last Marvel film that was a rated R? There hasn't been a single one. No, it had to have been Blade, at least the first Blade movie, right? I would think. Yeah, I I believe Blade is rated R. That's the only one. Really? Not even a sequel was rated R? Uh, Del that Toro w- Blade. It probably. I mean, maybe it, excluding the Blade franchise. Yeah, that would okay. probably make it a little easier. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, excluding the three Blade movies, and people might have forgotten about that. So yeah, this is going to be like, oh, this ain't. Well, the, I don't know. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how many parents are going to take their kids to Deadpool and not know that it's. <laughs> well, I think that's. I think they're doing a pretty good job of like making really? sure that. Huh. I think that's why. I mean, I honestly, um, seeing it in front of Fantastic Four, there was not the Green Band did not show up beforehand saying that this is rated R for da 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 da. Yeah, it just was. It transitioned from one trailer into the next. And it didn't even say not rated or anything on the. Th- there was no Green Band in front of it. Really? Yeah, it just showed the the Deadpool trailer, and I was kind of watching it like, oh. But then I also have, you know, I'll talk about Fantastic Four in a little bit, but even Fantastic Four, which is rated PG-13, has some moments I would have considered to be a hard R, and I'm surprised that they got away with in a PG-13 movie. Really? There's always moments like that. These times, they are changing, man. Of course, it's funny how, like, PG-13 sometimes in the 90s, you know, there would be uh, nudity. Well, even in PG movies, you know, there would be. Yeah, like and you're allowed to say like at least the f word once. In yeah, the you get video. one, you get one fuck. Yeah, you get one <laughs> fuck, and you can say shit as much as you want in PG thirteen movies. First, <laughs> shit and bitch became like the common yeah. cuss words in PG thirteen. Well, that, that, that's kind of the weird thing about the Batman video games. 
is that you play Batman Arkham Asylum and you get bitch every once in a while, but it's rated teen and you're like, okay, that's fine. And then you get to Arkham City where everybody's walking around the streets and bitches just about every other word and it's still <laughs> rated teen. And you're like, you kind of have to go, hey, parent, I know this is rated teen, but there's a lot of cussing. You might you might want to slow your roll. It says this word a whole lot, and specifically in reference to the female characters, and they you know kind of go, well, I'm not sure, you know. So, but for me, it's just good. To, the, the I think the last R-rated comic book movie we got was what was what Watchmen, probably something like that. No, and, no it was. It was uh, What's the one with the purple-haired girl and the guy in the... Dr- oh, the, the Kick-Ass. Was that the last? Oh, Kick-Ass. Okay. Two, right? The second one. Two, okay. Yeah. That so was definitely yeah. rated R. Yeah. So the, that yeah, might have been the last so one, I think. Watchmen and the two Kick-Ass films are the three yeah. main... Um, this is... Um, <laughs> well, yeah, Kick-Ass 2 was only like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. So That was definitely rated R. Yeah. Okay, so this this is from 2013, so it's a little bit outdated. But top 12 R-rated comic book movies. We have The 300. We have Blade. The Crow. Uh, Watchmen. V for Vendetta. Dread, which was 2012. Yeah. Kick-Ass. Uh, awesome movie, Dread. Sin City. Road to Perdition. So Sin City. Um, the Dame to Kill For. Yeah, and yeah. then also the 300 sequel would fit mm, in there. Yeah. Um, American Splendor. History of Violence. And Ghost World. Okay. Ugh, history of violence I hate that movie oh, I love it so much the only okay my only pro- real quick my only problem with the um, hi- with the history of violence movie is whenever you finally get the reveal and the two brothers come back together I had an argument with uh, one of my friends about this but I totally think that the way that scene plays out is he's still testing his brother whether or not he is really him <laughs> Because he has this, you, f- you fucked Judy on the pool table, right? No, it wasn't Judy. It was this person. Like in any other movie, it would be like that's the tense scene where he's trying to prove that he really is the person. But it's just kind of played as such a throwaway line that if you're not paying attention, it's just like, oh, he's absent-minded. No, he's testing <laughs> him to make sure he's actually who he says he is. Yeah. So he knows he's killing the right person, but you know. Yeah, I get. I I just don't like Viggo Mortensen. Maybe that's why. I don't. I didn't like the one where he's the Russian mobster. Um, Eastern Promises. Yeah. That's it. I, I never got to watch that one. I didn't like that. I, one. I haven't seen that one. Most of the. What's funny is I've seen most of the body horror. Everything up until Dead Ringers, and then I've seen Spider, and I've seen. Uh, uh, oh, the, the um, video game movie of Cronenberg's. The one with Jude Law, but uh, which one again was that? The one with Jude Law, where they're in the video game Existence. Existence, uh, and I've seen I've seen everything up in Two Dead Ringers, and then I've seen Existence, and I've seen Spider, but like anything after that, I just have, like I lost track. You of need David to watch. Um, what you actually need to watch is Antiviral, um, which is done by that's the Sentence movie, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, and it is really really good. Like it still does the kind of body dysmorphia stuff and really, really well done. And then it's the main actor and it like, it's got a cool premise, but yeah. I really liked it. But I, I will say that I, I'm more excited for Deadpool just because 
we haven't really gotten an R-rated, definitely an R-rated comedy action movie out of a superhero <laughs> franchise. We haven't had too many comedies either. If you, you know, there's like maybe humorous lines, but there's not a whole lot of not like throwaway comedies. Like a good, I mean, Ant Man kind of lent yeah. more towards comedy, but even then, I didn't. It was find way it. more dramatic than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think it was as funny as it could have been. Yeah, I liked it though. That Ant Man, that was a, yeah, that was a good one. Okay, so that was our Deadpool trailer talk. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so no more Mad Max, right? No more Mad Max. No okay, more. so time for the Mad Max, Max minute. minute. <laughs> There's a um, Mad Max still video awesome. game coming out. Are you? Yeah, but it has nothing to do with Fury Road. Yeah. So oh, okay. Who, who cares? I, I, I did hear a rumor they might have trouble making another Mad Max movie. Well, they'll, they'll make I, one. Well, I, yeah. I, I know. Think Tom they'll Hardy. squeeze another one out. Well, Tom Hardy said he would sign on for three more. Like, yeah. He apologized and said, "I want to do more." Let's yeah. do this thing, yeah. you know. I hope um, they do. So, Skylar, what have you been consuming? Uh, well, today um, I uh, went, well, okay, last Saturday, I went with my little brother and we saw uh, the new Dragon Ball Z movie, um, Resurrection F, I guess Resurrection F, F is for Frieza, Goku's number one, in Arch Nemesis. And it was good, um, you know, it's the second new Dragon Ball Z movie in many, many years. The last one, I think, is called Battle of Gods. Right. Uh, Which there is a review on a previous episode of Dubious Consumer. Oh, really? Yeah, I got to describe that one. <laughs> that was fun. Um, the animation was even better than that one, if you can believe it. They they did a... Is this, is, is this movie the one where they debut Super Saiyan, God Super Saiyan? Not yet. Well, okay, no. Um, okay, the Super Saiyan God in the last one, he had the red hair. Right. Well, this one, their hair is blue. Him and Vegeta. Right. So here's Wait, the, Vegeta has hair. Yeah. Um, the 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 animation's better than the last one. They did a cool. Uh, you know, they they kind of put in the whole computer CGI animation in it. Com- combination of two D animation and three D, which reminds me of the new Guilty Gear game that came out this last year called Guilty Gear Xrd, where they uh, it looks like sprite, but then it turns into actual three D models that look like anime characters coming out. It's really cool. Anyway, this Dragon Ball Z movie, Frieza comes back to life. Um, he has some people who still work for him who come to Earth and they take the Dragon Balls and resurrect him. So, I guess I went in thinking, okay, Goku could wipe out Frieza, so what what's going to happen? Frieza makes a fourth form. He calls himself Golden Frieza. Wouldn't that be his fifth form? Because he had he had horn, he had the alien version, he had the one with the like giant horns where he was, and then fourth was him compressing himself, and then he even had a muscular, a hundred percent version of that where he was the super muscular. Maybe this form. is his sixth form. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, in that last one, Goku fights the god of destruction. Wait a minute. Something happened. Never mind. Keep going. Sorry. Well, what happened is Goku fought Lord Beerus, the Egyptian hairless cat-looking alien from the last movie, and he's the god of destruction. Apparently, he's the most strongest guy in the universe, except for the guy who trains him, who can knock him out with one punch. So, Goku's already fighting the strongest being in the universe. Frieza shows up, and Goku and could just takes on Frieza all by himself. And so, the movie's kind of like, what's the point... Of Goku really fighting Frieza, he could wipe him out, and he does. Spoiler. 
so really i don't think that's a spoiler at this point it's you know it's kind of setting something up here there's got to be something way bigger than all of them they kind of hinted at something in battle of the gods where there's someone else out there in the galaxy that's stronger than well um he he uh, correct the, me here um, lord Berius basically says that there's multiple dimensions with multiple gods that are stronger than him that for goku to fight basically mm. and now they have dragon ball super i believe which is a new japanese show which is set i believe six months after um this latest one it just i came believe out. so okay. yeah so it GT no longer exists. That's retconned out. Yeah, I mean, that's it, fine it with technically me. didn't even. It was it was yeah. kind of filler anyway. Well, I've met so many Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z fans who now they're like, thank God GT doesn't exist anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, because GT was like a hundred years. No, it wasn't a hundred years later. But well, it, well Gohan's a, an adult in it. It was right, but right, well, it's, he. It was his daughter. Yeah, um, Pan, Pan and Goku and. But Goku comes back and then is shrunk to be a kid for most of it, and then becomes Super Saiyan Four, where he's an adult, even though he's still a kid when he's not in that form. And it, <laughs> it, it I it mean, was it, weird. it has some cool stuff like Super Seventeen. I love the look of Super Seventeen. Is that where Go Trunks came from, or is that? Late. No, that's um, the show. That was in the, the show. I think that's the late Z. It's a Go Tanks. Go Tanks. So here's what uh, here's what I'm thinking. I'm, I was it's like too long. <laughs> I was like, okay, so Vegeta hasn't. I don't fought. need any of your excuses. <laughs> I was oh, waiting yes, for Vegeta do. to take his swing at Frieza, which he kind of does for a little bit. And I was like, okay, so Vegeta can go Super Saiyan God. So I was like, okay, are they gonna both combine to become? Double Super Saiyan God. You know, the math adds up. It's like an RPG someone's stronger they level up you know but they didn't show that because frieza was just kind of a cakewalk you know he's in this new form and goku's like haha i know your weakness you haven't trained long enough in that form to control it. you're just wasting power so basically frieza is just draining out of power and goku and you know frieza's dead it, that's it's over so i mean it the series. It should, technically it shouldn't even been a battle just because Future or Marai Trunks was able to cut 100% Cyborg Vegeta. Yeah. I mean, Cyborg Frieza and kill him instantly. You know, it's like, and I believe even in, I can't remember what it is, but in something before even Battle of the Gods, Frieza came back. Oh, it, um, it was in one of the movies, like they resurrected all of their villains. Yeah. And Gohan ended up killing Frieza or whatever. That was really funny. I remember that one. That was like movie number 12, the second to last one. Yeah. And those movies actually don't count. The only movie I that know, but they I lo- say... I love Jen and Buzz so much. That's actually one of my favorite ones besides the seventh one where they fight the androids that came out of nowhere. Um. So anyway, it's setting this up, the TV series, and it's going to go somewhere. I hope it stays interesting. Uh, Toriyama is actually helping him with it, so... I'm looking forward to eventually watching these somehow, um, legally. I don't have time to do any touring, you know. So anyway, we saw that. Um, another thing I've been consuming is uh, spending time we with my puppy. We got a puppy, me and my wife. His name is Koga, named after the uh, wolf demon from Inuyasha. My wife, I made the mistake of showing her Inuyasha, and I have the entire series, and she's been watching that non-stop and she named our dog koga he's either a labrador or coonhound i don't know 
he's been a hot mess when we first got him. He had to have a lot of stuff done to him, but he's a sweetie. Having a puppy is a lot of work. <laughs> and it's like, well, we need a, we want to have a child too. So, but we have this puppy right now and it's just frustrating having a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, as somebody who has uh, two. two children, they're not comparable. Yeah. I don't think you'd want to leave your kid in the garage all day long while you're at work. <laughs> well, I think that's called getting arrested <laughs> for child endangerment. Oh, you man. might want to, but you're not supposed to do so, it. So, yeah, we picked him up. I was um, at Indian Falls Creek Church Camp, and then we came. when I came back, the dog was there. I left him with my wife for a couple of days, and she's like, Skyler, how could you leave me with this dog? He's peeing everywhere. He bit me pup you know he's a pup i love him he's a great dog he's gonna get big too his paws are huge so uh lastly i've been consuming uh fish i got back into fishing it's not nerdy wow you could spend a lot of money buying fishing lures it's real easy because they're so cool my dad got into tying his own flies because of yeah how expensive because he likes fly fishing and (laughs) <laughs> there was a large gap of years five or ten years where i didn't fish so all my fishing gear was all just melted pretty much in the one thing so i just went and bought all new stuff and i have actually like a bag to carry my lures in and little cases so i don't have to carry a box around and i fished when i was at false creek and won second place in the fishing tournament and just catch and release you know i don't have time to cook them and you never catch ones that are that big anyway in a pond sometimes so fishing's great it's relaxing it's just the Oklahoma heat will just kill you all day. So I like to fish in the evening when the ponds or lakes are still. You can sneak in there and get those fish. Ooh. And that's all I've been consuming. <laughs> He's been consuming nature. Yeah. I've been consuming life. Lots DBZ of- was the nerdiest thing. I've- yeah. But I want to hear you all talk about what you've been consuming. <laughs> so Nathan, what have you been consuming? Well... See, we we me and Justin have been talking about fan edits forever, and I've not seen hardly any of them because they're only available via torrents and well, mostly not not really. Technically, there's a, a website called fanedit.com where you can find out about all the oh, fan no. edits. I find out about them, but then you can go to fanedit.info. And they actually have the download through like MegaShare or um, yeah. what Rapid, whatever. Yeah. Um, you it's just have to get a program called J Downloader, and what it does is it takes one file and then down, you know, basically queues up all hundred files that are all spread around, along um, Mega Download, whatever it is, yeah. and then it downloads those. So you don't have to torrent anything or no. anything like that. But it functions like a P two P used to, just where it. Yeah, whatever. It's not RAR files, are they? Uh, they are, but so it breaks it breaks it down into like twenty parts, and then you use this J downloader mm. to just get all of the parts rather than having to go and download each one individually. Oh. But finally, after much uh, work of uh, saying we were going to do it, uh, we finally watched, took a day and watched some fan edits. We watched War of the Stars and War of the Stars 2, which I forget the subtitle of. The Future of. in Motion. The Future in Motion. <laughs> These, uh, 
the first one is more a straight up grindhouse uh, re-edit using also some of the deleted footage from uh, Star Wars. There's not a whole lot of footage from other movies in that it's mostly just footage from Star Wars itself, but it edits huge chunks of it out or rearranges some of it. And my, my favorite thing about it is um, the cantina scene. Yeah, the Neil Young. Yeah, it's got Neil Young from like the 80s. On no, it's, it's like the 70s. Okay. Yeah, um, it's like Neil but, Young and Crazy Horse. Yeah, but it, it's, it changes it to a black and white. Um, the film just goes black and white for a few minutes for no reason, but kind of fits in with the grindhouse thing. Oh, like, totally. It just yeah. loses it. It was really cool. And then makes it so it's all... You know, smoky and very, very dingy, very more noirish. Yeah, yeah. and then you just you hear this music playing in the background. You're like, "What is that?" And then it just cuts to a shot of Neil Young on stage. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, it's great. Uh, It does. It removes a lot of the controversial elements of Star Wars. Uh, It adds in some other controversial elements of Star Wars. You uh, in some of the deleted scenes, you see Luke in his hat. Which is so jarring. Like it almost it took me straight out of the movie. Like, like the super moment, deleted scenes. Like it was it was one of those like old like fishing hats that my dad wears, and I'm just like, are you <laughs> shitting me? Uh, you accidentally filmed them wearing it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, in Tunisia. <laughs> uh, but like just oh, it, it just reveals the atrocious amount of subplots and bad dialogue. <laughs> that had to be cut out of Star Wars to make it a watchable movie in the first place. And the fact that, like, he... I like the fact that they made it to where he sees the battle. Yeah, <laughs> right? it was yeah. cool. I was like, that's a cool... That's a new take. That's a twist. Adding all the blood, the exploding heads. The <laughs> thing that I loved the most was the way they made Vader's force powers work. His eyes turn red, and they add all these effects to make the image distorted and stuff. But, like, uh, they fix a uh, cantina scene. Hancha first, while Guido wasn't looking. <laughs> <laughs> which makes it even better. Yeah, which makes him even more of, like, a twisted, dark smuggler. Um, but the thing that... I have to say, that movie, it was pretty good. I've seen Star Wars so many times, it's... Like, I... I will say, me and Justin probably talked more through the first one than we probably should have. Well, but. it's also it also plays a lot looser with the um, continuity, con- the continuity, yeah. but it also adds subtitles to Chewbacca and to R two D two that and, are jokes. Yeah, so it has a lot of jokes in it. It's meant to be lighthearted, yeah. kind of stupid fare. The the other thing that I did like was that instead of seeing Leia record the message in the opening battle. You do not see the message until Obi-Wan sees the message right. for the first time. And there's a lot of just elements like that that are just really clever things, storytelling things that are just pretty clever. Uh, the thing that really impressed me was the future emotion, the second movie. Uh, it's a fusion of Empire and Return of the Jedi... With some footage from uh, the final prequel movie. Revenge of the Sith? Yeah. Oh, okay. It, but it uses that footage in an interesting way. In the at, Spoilers, at the end of War of the Stars, it looks like Han 
kills Darth Vader because he shoots his uh, shoots his craft. At the opening of the second movie, they retcon that ending to where he <laughs> crashes, he burns, he's all burned up in lava. Oh yeah, I remember that. And he gets rebuilt uh, by the Emperor. And I was like, that actually works. That's a really good it like does. opening to the second movie. I was like, that's real. That's really amazing. Every time I think of Star Wars, I can't help but think of those red letter media, yeah. Mr. Plinkett reviews. Oh god. <laughs> They finally released the Revenge of the Sith one. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, I haven't watched it. I just know the first one. Just attack. No, not attack the ones. The Phantom Menace was enough. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they really just rip it apart. <laughs> but uh, the thing that was really cool for me uh, was weird to see some of the uh, the subplots of the Wampa breaking into the Hoth base. That wasn't in the original cut of Empire. Some of the added dialogue and stuff that was like... I actually really liked that Wampa attack into the rebel base on Hoth. It, I, I liked it. It was just like... I was, I was like, this was in the movie originally? <laughs> I'm not sure how much... you know, Because if you look in the credits, there is quite a bit of stuff that says like, oh, we took from this short film here and we did this. And you know, yeah. we used Chad Vader... You know, and yeah, but what, but there's enough like legit right. footage of like because the Han for first scene between Han and Leia ends, and there's no like cut. There, there's no obvious special effect, you know, blurring to make the to where you see the Wampa kind of trying to cut, you know, break it. I think this. I was like, it, I remember they filmed it, but they couldn't get the get it right, so they left it out. And, you know, that footage never even really surfaced until the Blu-ray releases of the trilogy, which was actually kind of cool. That's about the coolest thing from those trilogy Blu-rays that I can say is that, you know, extra B-reel, like, real hard-to-find footage like that. That's the kind of thing that fans love. Yeah. And it's from the original trilogy. And this was my first experience seeing a lot of that stuff. Uh, The thing that was really good was finally... Finally, you actually see Luke train and get better. You see, they reorganized. They took out uh, Yoda's death. They uh, they they really cut a lot of the B plots in Empire and Return of the Jedi just down tight. Um, and the thing that really uh, the thing that was really surprising is they completely eliminate Darth Vader as uh, being Luke's father. Right, but they do not eliminate. That Leia is his sister. Yeah. Which from a certain point of view. Yeah. That, that <laughs> honestly, my favorite thing about there's there's many things that I love about this, but my favorite thing and it has me cracking up every single time I see this movie is that Luke finds out that Leia is his sister, actually approaches Obi Wan's ghost, and Obi Wan just says, "You'll find you know things only depending on your uh, point of view," and. From that point on, Luke continually macks on and makes out with his sister and never tells her. Yeah, never <laughs> tells her at all. Not once. It's messed up. And so by the end, she's like, of course I love him, but it's not like that. And she she doesn't have the line about being yeah. his sister or He's anything. He's my brother. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing like that. I mean, Darth Vader figures finds out about the sister, but just from Luke's yeah. feelings. And... uh do we want to spoil the big? 
So the big change out of all the things, well, there's there's a couple of big changes. Well, so. but what, I, it's all it all flows together as far as the big change I'm talking. Okay, about. are you talking about the ending big change? Well, but the ending comes directly from the other change that I'm talking okay, about. Okay, go for it. In a so instead of Luke battling his dark side and battling his father, he kills the Emperor outright, <laughs> slits his throat, then battles Vader to Vader's death. <laughs> then and then has completely assumed the dark side by the end including changing the color of his lightsaber to red while the emperor's ghost, ghost. is there to train him yeah see the big change i was going to talk about was instead of luke fighting darth vader at the cloud city yeah. Instead, he ends up battling Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Who shoots his hand off instead. Yeah. And basically, at the end of War of the Stars, Han has um, paid off Jabba. Uh, Jabba, yeah. Actually, it's human Jabba. Yeah, not big, fat, giant worm Jabba. Yeah. And then um, whenever Just a big, Han, fat Han, Scottish whenever Han, <laughs> um, Boba Fett is hired by Darth Vader to capture Han, but instead of turning him in, he keeps him as a trophy at his palace, yeah. <laughs> which is no longer Boba Fett or is no longer Jabba the Hutt's palace. It is now Boba the uh, Boba, Boba, Boba the Fett. Fett. Boba, Boba the Fett. Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett's um, um, Boba Fett's palace, yeah. and it, he he probably dies in a, a similar horrible. You know, cheesy, just, lame, just, dumb way. Yeah, but at least. But they didn't have they, that much footage to work with. Yeah, but at least they gave him new stuff to do to make him more of a badass in um, yeah. the Empire portion of the movie. Well, and also uh, the other thing for the Empire portion that was is the way they did the cave sequence, where instead of him battling Vader and it being revealed to be Luke's face, it's it's the whole cloud sequence. Like the whole Cloud City sequence kind of takes is reused, but it goes further. He fights Vader and everything, and he gets his hand there, cut there's, off. There's not all the flipping though. Yeah. It's just them them fighting on the walkway. Yeah, just and, the walkway. And Vader, as we said, is not Luke's father in this. Yeah. So all he does is he tries to pull Luke to the dark side in his vision, and that's and, where he reveals that Leia's his sister. Right, and um. And at that point, they do the whole him falling off, him hanging, and then... But he falls from He falls to his death from there. My only complaint with the movie is that they reuse him falling. Yeah. Almost verbatim, you know. Well, they kind of had to at that point. I know, but They didn't have... It's not like you have a whole other 15 minutes. They could have cut... They could have just had him fall and cut that when he falls and have that be the end of the dream sequence. And then cut, you know, to the other one later on and have the full sequence there rather than repeating beat for beat. Like he doesn't even stop, you know, obviously there's not the extra footage, but, you know, at that point with everything else they've done with the fucking movie, I'd expect him to kind of start to set up and kind of go, oh shit. And then it fall out from him or something like that where he recognizes, hey, I'm doing the exact same thing I had in my dream. Yeah. But that wasn't good. You know. But the, the, Overall, I will say I really, I like the second one a lot. The yeah. first one is a fun exercise, and not having seen a lot of that deleted 
footage. It was nice to see it, even though it reveals the weaknesses of George Lucas even they more. They said that movie was found in the editing, the original. Yeah. Yeah, like it was a horrible movie, and then they, you know, they re-edited and did the start doing the side swi- or the swipes and the transitions yeah. and everything, and that's what got them to that point. Um, the thing that I love so much about the the War of the Stars, a New Hope Grindhouse, is <laughs> that um, is that opening sequence with them in the hallway where the you know you're having that very chintzy music playing, like very crappy early '70s sci-fi music playing, and then. The uh, alarm is going, and the hallway is going red, white, red, white, red, white, and it focuses on the door, red, Alec Guinnesson, yeah. War of the Stars, and then you focus on one of the guy's faces, and then it blows up, the hallway turns white, and then blaster fire is exchanged, a person gets hit, and blood splatters <laughs> the hallway, and then it just becomes, the by the end of the fight, that initial blaster battle, it the hallway is completely covered in blood, the people are retreating, and then... Um, a stormtrooper runs around the corner and his head explodes off <laughs> yeah. as he crumples into a pool of blood. Like It, it is a great exercise in just going, this is going to be different. Yeah. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's in the, totally just... In, in the end of all of this, it just makes me sad that Disney probably won't release an original theatrical release of the original trilogy. Oh, they, they will. Well, they'll do it after Force Awakens. Maybe because right now I found out this past week that they are re-releasing all the Star Wars movies on Blu-ray in a new deluxe special super extravaganza edition, complete saga plus. Yeah, like all the. <laughs> it's so disappointing. With That's, another seven hundred hours of behind-the-scenes footage that you've already seen in every other special edition. It's why you got to go out there, people listening need to go out there and look for Harmy's Star Wars Despecialized Edition in HD. Version 2.5 is out. This guy, Harmy, a bunch of other people came together and took the Blu-ray releases of Star Wars and original prints from like Italy or Mexico. They spliced and made the original theatrical films in high def and people can get them off the internet. They worked their butts off to make it. Like I was like, there really isn't any prints of those original films. I guess George Lucas has them under lock. Okay, okay. he says they don't exist, but I don't know. They were scanned in when they made the initial special editions. They are on a hard drive somewhere in Mm. Pixar, probably (laughs) like hidden in John Lasseter's office. You know, (laughs) I mean. I guess they could be working on it. They know fans want it, and they know people will buy those. I think George Lucas... But then we also might have to wait for George Lucas to die to get them. (laughs) Well, I I don't... You know, it's... George Lucas has talked about how he had a complete, you know, script for Seven that was ready to film, and they didn't use any of it. So he's just kind of sitting around now just going, uh... (laughs) Yeah, that's what you get for selling it for a couple billion dollars. Yeah, only a couple. Only only a couple. But, uh, so... That was the main thing that I can that I consumed, but I did say I was going to talk about this. Uh, there's a movie called The Player. Uh, I talked about it a little bit during the long take. Um, it was a Robert Altman film written by a guy named Michael Tolkien, who is an uh, author. It's a script from his novel that he wrote. Uh, Michael Tolkien actually is known for being a screenwriter. Uh, he wrote, co-wrote the scripts of... Changing Lanes, Deep Impact. This is the most recent movie is Nine with uh, 
Daniel Day-Lewis, the musical about Fellini. Uh, that's his most recent thing. But he's also an author. Um, but the movie is a meta-fictional story about Hollywood, but mostly about the people giving pitches, people selling their pitches, writers getting turned down, writers getting jaded, uh, directors getting frustrated, people selling out their idea because now they can make a million bucks, you know, and now their movie's going to be successful, you know, but there's all these things, there's, because you, because you're dealing with Hollywood, there's even movies within the movie that you're seeing daily, like they're watching dailies of a movie that has, uh, he was, just played Stick in Daredevil, can't remember his name, Scott Glenn. Has Scott Glenn and Lily Tomlin in this like noir scene, and the whole movie uh, it kind of came uh, out around the same time as The Big Lebowski. It's a couple, I think it's two years before, uh, but it's also this new new noir where instead of being a direct, dark, shadowy, it's colored and it's taking different elements from. Uh, but where the Big Lebowski is kind of a a screwball comedy version of a noir with all these really intricate yeah. details and subplots and stuff, this is like a just straight out Hollywood satire of what the movie business is like in a noir kind in of a way. noir kind of frame. There's a murder. <laughs> Uh, that involves the main character, and I don't really want to give a, give it all away because it kind of it kind of takes you. Uh, the surprising thing is Vincent D'Onofrio is in this movie with a full head of hair. This is after Full Metal Jacket and after several other movies he's done. But like to see him thin with a full head of hair is kind of yeah. and like curly full head of well, uh, well, hair. you forget that he was Thor and. Um what was it? Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Is oh yeah, it? or adventures in babysitting. Oh, dude, I don't remember that. Yeah, he's he's in that. <laughs> I forgot I he was yeah, in he, that. he's like this uh, homophobic, yeah, um, <laughs> mechanic, and there that he, he the little girl calls him Thor because he comes down like it's wearing like a, his name starts with a D or something. Yeah, yeah, but but he's got the full head of hair then, just has a baseball cap over. Yeah, <laughs> but the interesting thing is uh, the other interesting thing is the, this movie is filled with cameos. Of actors playing themselves, of directors playing themselves, of actors playing famous directors, of actors playing famous writers. There's all these like in jokes with all that stuff. Whoopi Goldberg plays one of the detectives, and there's all these movie posters that they end up closing in on that end up having some sort of uh, image related to so something that goes in the movie. Too. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a black comedy because it doesn't have the, the dark enough tone. Like the tone mm. never shifts. All the like where Charlie Kaufman goes all the way with tone, you know, it goes all you know. This movie still kind of keeps that lighthearted Hollywood feel to the tone, hmm. despite it kind of being, which is why I kind of compare it to the the Big Lebowski a little bit of yeah. it being the Big Lebowski has that screwball comedy element of those earlier, you know, Cohen like Raising Arizona and stuff like that. Yeah, where but with just a more better characters, more developed script, you know, more layers, more more interesting things. But yeah. overall, I would recommend The Player if you have not seen it. It's 
definitely worth a watch. I think I remember seeing a trailer. Like I watched, was watching. I was like, I think I saw a trailer for this when I was a kid, and I just don't remember it at all. Yeah. But, uh, but so that's what I've been consuming. Uh, Justin, what have you been consuming? Well, um, with the exception of. Resurrection F, I think I have just seen new movies in theaters. <laughs> You've seen everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's kind of what happens when you're unemployed is... <laughs> you're, you're unemployed, you have a little bit of money A little bit time. of extra time, you know, you can kind of do what you want to do. Here. So I saw um, Ant-Man, finally. Um, got to see it at Harkins in the Cine Capri with like 12 other people. Oh. So... Giant fucking theater, nobody there. So it was, it was an interesting experience. Was it the same weekend that came out, or Trainwreck uh, came out, where the um, shooting was, had happened? No, I think it was. I, I don't know. I didn't even know that shooting had happened until I just saw a random thing. Yeah. Um. It was the day before Mission Impossible came out. Okay, so that was a little bit after mm. after the shooting. Yeah. So uh, it was just one of those that it was probably because it was its last week. There, you couldn't even watch it in 3D. Yeah. You know, it was just like... But something else 3D came out. Yeah, it was the next day probably before... Pixels or something stupid, huh? Yeah, you know, next day before Mission Impossible came out, so it was probably just something to fit in Santa Capri until the new one came out. Yeah. So, um, I liked it. I don't really have any strong feelings for it, though. Like, it... it I love Edgar Wright's stuff, but you could tell that it was... Edgar Wright light, and I know yeah. he didn't direct it, but they kept a lot of his ideas. Yeah, and he still got credit in it, which right. I was yeah. glad. There well, especially because that whole fight sequence in the oh, that Tim Industries is from the test footage, right. where he like kicks but, but, him but, but, and throws him through the window. And stuff. And well, yeah, it's different, but like the whole concept of it right. can't come from that. Even test the footage. suit pretty much is yeah. yeah. The suits very like not very much not changed really from what was they they, right. they changed the helmet but that's they about did it. yeah yeah because the helmet had bigger oh yeah and everything. sorry I was thinking of have y'all seen the on YouTube the Werner Herzog directs Ant Man <laughs> I yeah. saw that today oh. I wanted to <laughs> oh that, it's the same guy who did uh, uh, Wes Anderson if he directed the X Men movies I haven't seen that <laughs> you haven't seen that oh no. gosh it's hilarious um. But the main thing I will say is that the very beginning of this movie, or not the very beginning, but once Scott gets out of prison, prison hit me very, very close to home because it's Michael Pena just like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, life's been pretty good the last year. Oh, yeah, how's, how are things with your girlfriend? Oh, she left me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, and my uh, mom had a stroke and my yeah. grandfather died. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but I got this van. And yeah, I got the van, bro. And I'm like, okay, I completely identify with that. It's just like, okay, you know, my marriage is over. I lost my job, but hey, I get to work on my writing more, and I get to see more movies. Movies. So uh, yeah, let's do this thing. So I I really like Michael Pena. How um, his whole character, like he was really good. He was the heart of the whole movie yeah, for me. Yeah, I mean, he, just how super excited he was about everything and trying to tell stories, and then he goes off on a tangent. That's not important, yeah. you know? Um, you, you know, we were at this uh, this exhibit, and, you know, you know, it's a you know, abstract <laughs> expression. I'm, you know, I'm more of a neo-cubist, you know? And, like, <laughs> and you know, I they was, had the red wine there, but I'm more, I'm more of a white. White wine? Yeah. All that stuff. I was dying. Like, you could tell that a little bit of that is, like, Adam McKay and Paul Rudd kind of adding their sense of humor. Right. But I felt like it helped 
help the movie because the movie kind of was way more of a dramatic movie than I was expecting yeah, it to it, be. But but in some ways it was also more of a comedy than any of the other ones. Oh yeah, there. much more. You know the Thomas, the whole Thomas Train yeah. sequence and stuff. Uh, you know, Michael Pena and 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 it was. I liked it. If, to me, it felt more self-contained. It was smaller, not no pun intended, but it wasn't ginormous like Avengers. You know, yeah. it's it's its own story taking place in this one kind of area, and I but really liked thing, that about it. But the it, thing I know. also liked about it is that they actually directly reference the Marvel universe in it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's after Avengers 2, right? Right. right. Like, well, like they, a, they make that... Well, I mean... Well, the, the, first the thing, base is after... Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that Scott even says, you should call the Avengers. I'm not... You know, I've been trying to keep this away from the Starks. Yeah. You know? And then, and then at another point, he goes, well, you know, they're too busy dropping cities. Yep. And you're like, <laughs> okay, so we get some actual references to it. Yeah. It makes it feel a little bit more tied in. Of course, and you, you have the Falcon fight and all that. And I think those are the things of why Edgar Wright left. He's like, no, I want to make my own movie instead of, well, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll never know. I, all I know is that he posted that Buster Keaton photo yeah. and then took that down because yeah. everybody was like, oh, shit, that says a lot. Good about- job. You, you do realize all your, all your fans are also film nerds, Edgar. Right. <laughs> like, we're all yeah, gonna... we get why you posted that. And even if they didn't get it, there's this thing called Google. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... You know, I, I like the part... Sorry to interrupt. That part where uh, he, the uh, Hank is talking about him and his wife, who was the Wasp, and, yeah. you know, disarming that nuke. And that was really cool. I just I just like that whole scene with the Wasp. And she just looks so awesome. And I was kind of like wishing that, you know, Evangeline Lilly could have played the Wasp in the movie, but they kind of set it up to where I guess well, she, she might join later. the Avengers. Yeah. That, that'll be. Because you know who was going to play her role before her? It's the lady from Zero Dark Thirty. They asked her to play. Jessica Chastain? Yeah, they asked her to play it first, but she didn't want to because she thought, well, you'll pretty much be in the whole movie and not get to do anything. You know, you don't yeah. get to be the superhero until maybe later. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a big Paul Rudd fan. I think he did a decent enough job. It it was a little bit. The tone was always just a little bit off, and I'm I'm not sure exactly what it was. I did really like how they made the young Michael Douglas like the way they did the young kind of, Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> the they, digitally they, scrubbed him. Oh. They they had, it was just weird because everything had it felt like it had a filter over it for that scene to make yeah. everybody else seem softer. Yeah, but it was still much better than what they did with Tron years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's uncanny valley kind of looking yeah. there. Yeah, but but at the same time, um, the one thing I will say the the thing that I had strong feelings about about that movie was the microverse, the fact that we saw the microverse, the fact that it had a design, it was awesome, the fact, had a texture to it, it had all these and shapes and kind of psychedelic designs that are are a part of Marvel It looked like a DMT trip. Yeah, yeah, like well, just <laughs> not that, that I know what but that's just like. that psychedelic feel of like right. the rep- repetitions of images, the interplay of things, the fractal stuff, the playing with that kind of the fact that when something is quantum, it in can be in multiple places. Giving us visual, like I was like when I saw that, I was like, 
I would have paid fourteen dollars to see that. Like this is this is incredible. Like this is visual stuff we don't get in movies anymore. Can you? Uh, you know, are you familiar with Doctor Strange and know all about oh, that? Oh, yeah. So people are talking about that scene, kind of connecting with Doctor Strange. Can you kind yeah, of yeah? Kevin Feige on that? said like that. That's that. That's going to be more the tone of Doctor Strange of the kind of dark, esoteric, psychedelia. You know of what well, is. there was somebody and some character from the Marvel Universe that's supposed to be in there that you're supposed to be able to glimpse in one of yeah, the scenes. There's a possibility of it's either Eternity, uh, or there could be the Living Tribunal, or it could be Janet Van Dyne, you know. Yeah, the, the, so, the, the, the talk I saw was of Eternity. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard, but I've heard of Who is other fan that? theories, but Eternity is the aspect of the physical universe. Hmm. It's, it's He's basically an elder god of uh, the Marvel Universe. He was developed in the Doctor Strange stories initially in Strange Tales in the late 60s. Hmm. With the, but cool. Well, the Pretty thing cool. is, is, is and, and he plays into all of the Infinity Gauntlet stuff. Right. And he's a physical representation of he, space. He, but he might be a stand-in for um, Adam Warnock. No, Adam Warlock. Yeah, yeah. No, Adam Warlock's gonna be in these movies okay. eventually. I'm. If they put Adam Warlock's, uh, like that was confirmed. I did. Well, I, I know he was in Guardians. Yeah, but that like, doesn't mean that his cocoon's gonna. He's gonna. Come well, out but the, oh, they're the doing Infinity thing. War, and if they do Infinity War, the person that has to end up with the gauntlet at the end of Infinity War is Adam Warlock. If they're fo- they follow so much of the continuity. Well, we we can't you, you know, know we can't say whether or not they're act, you know they can figure out loopholes and different stuff. Oh, I'm it. not saying someone else couldn't do it, but I'm just saying based on how faithful a lot of the character stuff is, you know that we've gotten is I I would not be surprised if Adam Warlock shows up in Infinity War Part One or in Guardians of the Galaxy Two or some you know. It would not surprise it's, me. It's impressive to me how much they're really thinking this through and planning it out. I mean, Wait. I heard they have this planned out for 30 years ahead. We only got up to Infinity War Part yeah. 2. So. Well, Brian Michael Bendis, when he was on Nerdist a couple months ago, talked about they're reading Phase 4 scripts right now. Of course. Like, they're that far ahead. <laughs> they're they're so, already... Well, let's just hope that the whole superhero genre can sustain that. Well, I mean, I think they're perfectly accept... I think Kevin Feige... Probably have he's uh, the only interviews I've heard of his. He seems to have a kind of like we're just doing this because this is the vision, and we have to have the vision in order to make the movies. Good. Well, that's why I kind of am just uh, yeah, kinda, but I, I'm talking you know. about stuff like Fantastic Four just did 11 million dollars whenever no superhero movie has done less than 35 million. Yeah. Well, plus the oversaturation that could come about with all these DC films and how you really can yeah. tell that they're trying to cash in well, on this okay, whole thing. Not, too. not only you know, not to make this a big point, but not only the DC films, but the Fox Universe films. The Spider Verse films that they're doing, yeah. you know, everything, even Ghostbusters, it now has its own universe. universe yeah. Like everything it's is becoming a shared universe. You know, yeah, I mean, there's what Cr- even six, the, there's like six X Men movies that are coming out, and the new six Star Wars movies. Coming yeah, out. And then well, the, no, Star Wars every year. Oh yeah, until. They the run end of it time. into the ground. Well, I heard someone say Disney's like, we can see Star Wars making profits for hundreds of years. <laughs> but uh, like even now, uh, that Apo- have you all seen Creed? 
the trailer for Creed. That's a continuation of the Rocky story in the universe of Rocky. So it's like they're even doing shared universe of the Rocky movies now. <laughs> and that kind you of know. looks cool to me. Honestly. Well, actually, like that movie, I kind of feel bad for Michael B. Jordan having been, having such a terrible uh, opening weekend for Fantastic Four. Because you know, I think everyone's yeah, he'll all cheering him on. They all think he'll, you know, it won't ruin him. But I don't know about the other actors in the movie. But Miles yeah, Teller. It's not, it's not yeah, going to hurt any of those actors. Yeah. Um, they're they've, they're in way too much stuff. Well, Kate Mara so, was guess, in Transcendence, and that yeah, but she's also in, been in House of Cards, yeah, and, Shooter, you know, right. Amer- American uh, Horror Story. She's, oh yeah, I forgot she was. In that. She, she's in a lot of stuff. She has nothing to worry about. Um, Jamie. Bell. So since we keep talking about it, I saw Fantastic Four. Okay. It is not the train wreck everybody is talking about. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, what I like about it is that it is a it is horror sci-fi. Which is what it sci-fi? looked like from the trailer. It, yeah, it, it is. It is more sci-fi. It is very slow. It's. It actually starts out with uh, Reed Richards as a child, um, which is the from the Ultimates universe. Yeah, a lot of it is Ultimates. Um, you know, that's why I heard he them. is trying to work on tele- teleportation, and that's whenever him and Ben Grimm become friends. Um, the weird thing about it is that Ben Grimm is not part a big part of the story for the first half of it. Like he sees him off to college and then he goes away. And uh, Victor Von Doom, he is Victor Von Doom in this. Yeah, I heard they changed the name back to Victor Von Doom. Well, from what uh, he was a hacker named Doom, right? No, well, no. he's not a hacker. He's, well, that's what. It, well, it's not. okay, I mean, okay, he, okay. He is, he is a he is just a computer. He is he was part of the project beforehand, but because the government stepped in, he set fire to all of their servers before leaving. Because yeah. he was Victor Domashev in the... Well, mm. what uh, Trank has said is that they did that as a way to keep people from taking it as a comic book character. Like, they do call yeah. him Von Doom, but they wanted them to go by different names so that it wasn't... So they didn't play it. I am Victor Von Doom. You, know, and you don't play, want him to be the Shakespearean tragedy that he is? But you don't want people to play it as a comic book. You want it, and that's what the thing this does is it plays everything very straight. Is that what that was Josh's vision of it? Kind of was the to play super straight, keep it more grounded, and be more sci-fi, like be more explicitly. Yeah, I mean, because the whole idea of this is that they are trying to put together quantum teleportation uh, or teleportation between universes, and uh, Reed, they've worked on it, but they can never bring the stuff back. Reed figures out how to bring it back. And they bring him in, and so Sue Storm's there. Um, she's adopted. She's actually from, I believe, Croatia. I thought it was Kosovo. Kosovo, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. And um, you know, Michael B. Jordan is plays Johnny, and, he, and he's the son of Doctor Richards, and he, um, by Doctor Storm, sorry. He is. Um, he does street racing and basically mm-hmm. wrecks his car, and that gets him to help them out with the project. So it's Victor Von Doom, Sue, Johnny, and Reed. And then once they finally do it, the government kind of steps in and says, okay, we're going to bring NASA in to And that's take, where Ben... Go, well, no. What, he, what actually happens... Spoilers for the whole thing, because I'm pretty sure with the reviews it's getting, nobody's going to see this. I, I'm probably going to see it anyway. Well, that's the thing but, I was wanting to know about. Is it getting a 
bad rap. It's got an average 8% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Well, it's already gone down. Yeah. That's wow. less than Pixels, and that's an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, I think this is just... It's, it's a witch getting, hunt. It is. For me, it's the same thing as Man of Steel. I'm not a fan of Fantastic Four, so I can go into this and go, they do some interesting stuff here. Not, um, I'm a huge fan of Fantastic Four, so but you the cons- will not like No, it. but the concepts, the concepts that they were... That yeah. they were talking about, I was fine with like so, hard sci-fi, uh, teleportation. It looked like they were doing like something kind of like the negative zone, yeah, and that's actually what it is. Yeah, it's, and like that's they, they call it Planet Zero, but it is the negative. Well, zone. but you know, and that's fine. Like they they even make a um, Victor Von Doom even makes a comment about uh, what, sending their political prisoners there to because waterboarding will be really effective on Planet Zero. You know, and yeah. you're like okay, I like you know that's yeah like, that that's fucking Civil War territory right there. Yeah. Um, but, I, but, I was fine with that. the The only thing that kind of bothered me was more that, like, it seemed like Von, I was afraid of them doing another Doom as the vil- first villain. And he is the first villain. And that's that was the only part that so, I didn't really. How Ben gets brought in is basically they're pissed. They they get drunk. Um, Johnny, Victor, and Reed like they actually establish a friendship between them. It's not. Victor's fault that all this stuff happens. Reed gets drunk and says, "Why, you know, fuck them. We'll go there for five minutes. We'll come back, and that way we can put a flag down. We'll be the first people to go." And he calls Ben because Ben has been with him this entire time and says, "You need to come with us." So Sue is not with them. They go to the planet. Planet almost ha- kind of has a um, oh, spirits within Final Fantasy sort of thing where mm. it's alive and kind of reacts to it. So they kind of merged the ego, the living planet thing into um, and Bull Man, okay, with with Victor. So basically, they get the planet reacts to them kind of hostily, and Victor gets left behind, and everybody else gets attacked by the planet as they're transporting them out. And as it transports out, it hits Sue when she's the only one in the thing, and that it hits her with that. And Which when, I heard people complain about, by the way. You know, people, that, people are going to complain. Yeah. If you're going with a different... I mean, people are complaining that um, Johnny is black. Which I don't understand at all. I, I don't Can't either. Know. And even, you know, Trank ended up telling you Stan Lee, like, hey, so this is what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Totally, go for it. Hmm. Okay, cool, Stan. You, you could have flipped it to where it was... Uh, Sue's the one who becomes Mrs. F- or Miss Fantastic, and you know Reed becomes the Invisible Man. Yeah, I don't. F- as long as there's a good story that utilizes the concept of them being a family, of them becoming a family, not a team. Right. They were Marvel's first family. So uh, the thing I will say about this is my uh, my only the thing I do like is that. They go a long way to establish like the body horror, like Brundlefly, like level with each of the characters when they're first. Which makes sense. It, it does. Is that the uh, tonal shift people talk about too? I've read after they come back, it, there, there and is then a, it, you can tell there's a dramatic like. Yeah, it just, becomes it becomes a horror movie at that point because you like um, while Johnny is passed out, he is literally on fire the entire time, and they just kind of sit on his body, small, and you like when they're on the planet, you see. Their body, you know, you see them, you know, transform. You see, Reed. Reed wakes up and his legs are trapped underneath something. He's trying to get them out. He looks over and sees Johnny on fire, 
passed out thinking he's dead and he starts crawling to try and get to Ben who he can't he can only hear but sees a pile of rocks and is trying to get to him and looks back and sees that his legs are stretched out hmm. over the entire floor you know it's stuff like that yeah um what i honestly the close and this is actually going to turn people off here but the closest tonally i can think to any of superhero movie is the incredible hulk the Ang Lee one? No. No, 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 no. The Edward Norton one. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot that I could see, you know, um, because uh, what ends up happening is Reed Richards ends up going on the run. Everybody else is caught in the facility. He manages to escape. And you almost get, like, an Iron Man 3 sort of thing where you're seeing him with no resources, running from the law. Having to survive and having to make it and showing his inventiveness. While he is trying to rebuild a thing so he can go back to the planet to try and fix everything. And possibly, in his own head, possibly try to save Doom, you know? Yeah. Because Doom is still his friend at that point. Yeah, Doom is still a friend and... The Where I say it becomes a hard R movie is whenever Doom gets reintroduced into the story. Because he basically... Everybody else got their own individual powers. He pretty much got all the powers. And he's been on the planet for another for a year since. Hmm. And when he comes back, like, it reminded me of uh, Galerians. Uh, what are, what are um, the... Galerians? Yeah, the PS2 horror game. Oh, yeah, where you have the psychic powers. And yeah. He's able yeah. to blow up people's brains. So as he's walking down a hallway, like he'll bring down the structure and somebody will start, you know, screaming or whatever and their heads will explode back out on the wall. Like, like it shows scanners. That scanners. Kind of? yeah. yeah, it shows that. Like, I, wow. I, I did, I, in the one of the interviews, he mentioned Cronenberg a couple of times. Yeah, like, and, that, and that's like the fly and scanners. Yeah, and and there's definitely a Cronenberg hmm. feel to it. This is interesting times. now. I love it. It, 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 it's You're selling me on this. <laughs> I, I really liked it. It was a different take. My only complaint with it is that because it does have a shortened time frame, they come together in the heat of the battle, not beforehand. Like Part of the story is that they f- feel like Reed abandoned them because he escaped the facility when they couldn't. Yeah, And Ben Grimm... And another Incredible Hulk nod gets sent out into the field to become a weapon for the U.S. military. Yeah. And so they show video of him a la, you know, the Incredible Hulk at the um, university yeah. taking people out. And so Ben feels like, you know, Reed used to be his best friend, but they're not friends anymore because he abandoned him. You know, it's that sort of thing. Well, and uh, there is a little bit of... the When I saw the facility stuff yeah. in the trailer... You know, I don't know, you know, obviously, like, what... The thing it reminded me of, there's a Joe Casey miniseries that is a Fantastic Four thing, like, right after they come back. And, like, the military's captured them and all this stuff. And I was like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, I was like, oh, so they're going... And Joe Casey's one of the action men team. Okay. Like, he's written a lot... All the Avengers cartoons, the last... Too. Right. He's one of the head writers on that stuff, and um, he used he used to write comic books. He does occasionally, but he doesn't really write them very often anymore. But like, 
I thought that they were kind of merging. I saw little elements and nods to there's a Fantastic Four miniseries that Grant Morrison wrote that has Jay Lee's artwork. And Jay Lee has a very visceral style that's a mixture of ink and watercolor and it's but it's very dark and it's very shaded and and I thought that they were kind of going in this kind of fusing taking these kind of the ultimate stuff and the and then a lot of mini series and not really trying to because they're not they're not a team yet they're not a family right. yet they're becoming a family and then there, and, there's a bit of that and you know they they talk about adoption and they kind of they kind of play around with that idea. Um, and there was one thing that I wanted to talk about, especially because I in the Josh Trank Fat Man on Batman, he, yeah. he doesn't understand why Ben was there. Ben's a pilot. Ben piloted the rocket ship in the original origin, and in the and in both of the animated cartoons, he was a pilot. Okay, that's why he's there. You know, and like I was, it's just like one of those things that like he had a friend that's like a huge Fantastic Four fan, and like that didn't get corrected. Yeah, he was the pilot. Yeah, you know. And, <laughs> like, and as I said, you know, it's for me, it's kind of the same thing as yeah. Man on Man of Steel. I like the that they're trying a different direction with it, rather than just regurgitating the same stuff or trying to go for. Like, I've seen a lot of posts that are like, "Oh, this is the most this is self loathing," as opposed to. This is so dark, it's become self-loathing. And it's, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, you know what? At least they're not trying to do the 2005 um, yeah, ver- shitty, yeah, the early, awful. Early 2000 version. That's a of fucking where- 9%. That one, that first Fantastic Four movie, like the one in 2005, that one's a 9%. Not a fucking, not, I mean, Rise of the Silver Surfer is a better movie than the first Fantastic Four movie that they made in 2005. But, you know, and that... Technically the second. I know that Roger Corman exists. But, but, there, but I think what a lot of people are lamenting is that there's not that aspect of fun. Like, there, there is some fun there. You know, it's... You know, Reed Richards is very much kind of, you know... what You know, whatever. He's kind of clueless. He's trying to put all the stuff together. But, you know... Um, and Victor Von Doom is... He is an asshole from like the very beginning. Like the first time you see him, he's has his place completely on lockdown. He's playing video games. He's got long hair and you know beard and all this stuff. And he's he's brought back in, but he's like the prodigal son that the um you know Doctor Storm believes in him and knows that he can do the do the stuff, but he has such a problem with authority yeah. that. It causes. It's gonna cause problems because but, he's doomed. Yeah, and the only reason he goes is because he trusts and obviously has a thing for Sue. Yeah, Did they, which is very is accurate. Acting to the good in the movie. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it's, people complain about that, but like you were saying earlier, everyone's just complaining about anything. But right, I, I I liked it. I mean, it 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 all fits together. Like I, I it it fits with the story that they're telling. Um, Miles Teller, I I really like the guy. Yeah, he was amazing in Whiplash. I mean, he's not given that degree of stuff, but he plays what he's got really well. As I said, I really do like the short stuff we see with him using his abilities as a freelance guy. One of the things I really like is that when they're in the military facility, they're each given suits that help suppress their abilities. And Which... so instead of it being... 
the human torch just going flame on, you know, and, you know, setting himself on fire. He has to turn a dial on his suit and that unleashes the, which makes, which makes sense to the body horror concept. Right. And, um, but when they show Reed Richards, he has a homemade janky ass suit that he's put together with scrap metal and all this stuff to help suppress his powers. All right, so tell me this. Why do you think everyone hates it? Like, wanting to go in already hating it. Well, I think what it is is this is a Marvel property. That's a Marvel property initially. Everyone knows it's a Marvel property. And I think what a lot of people were expecting is a Marvel movie. Yeah, family-friendly, you know, Marvel movie with, you know... With no angst, with no darkness. The, the, I with mean, no... the, the, biggest, the biggest complaint I have seen is that Fantastic Four is about a sense of wonder. And this doesn't have that. I thought it was just everyone was mad about the whole concept between it. I mean, I guess that's it, right? The trailers didn't really allude to most of this. But, like, my whole thing is, okay, with Fantastic Four, what I think, this is personal, this is, a, right. this is from a fan. Huge fan. Huge fucking fan. Like, I'm one of the rare Fantastic Four fans. Like, I've been a comic book fan most of my life, and I know very few people that like the Fantastic Four as characters and as a story. They're Golden Age comic. I mean, they saved Marvel in the 60s. But I'm just saying, like, they are not the thing that people gravitate to. X-Men is the thing that most people gravitate to. Right. Now the Avengers, because of what both they've turned the Avengers in the comic books and in the movies into. But the Fantastic Four is this thing where it's either really human, like bickering, being a, being a fucking family, and the, being characters, growing and changing, making bad decisions and having to live with them. You know... Falling in love and then realizing that you're not in love anymore. Having children and what does that do to being a superhero? You know, stuff like... <laughs> Omega-level mutant shit. <laughs> yeah, like crazy. Like, um, or, like, if you're going to do a Fantastic Four, it has to be really human. Really human. And uh, I would say this one is. Or really, really cosmic. It's got to be Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> level. Like, it's got to be that fucking crazy. And that's the other thing is Guardians of the Galaxy plays off a lot of that cosmic stuff that originally appeared in Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four and the old Thor comics and stuff before, you know, Jim Starlin comes in and adds all his, you know, kind of take and invents the Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff in Marvel Universe. All of that stuff starts, you know, it with, worked really well with in Fantastic Four. Too. I was... I was surprised by how how well Guardians of the Galaxy worked. Oh yeah, and the, they did a really good job making the characters relatable in in their individual ways. Right. Gamora could have been more of a badass, but that's just a critique. That's not enough time in the movie is the problem. That's why she, a sequel comes around. Yeah, it's like. Um, but but you know, unfortunately, you, know, but you like, might not get a sequel. But that's with it. These like I really, uh, after having rewatched some of the Marvel movies. I really think Guardians of the Galaxy is top of the heap. It's up there. It's up there with like Avengers. It's just at the top because it's it's um it has it tells a whole story and it and it gives you and it has a lot of big details and um, it's one I can pop on anytime it, and just watch it all the way through. But it's also you know? just a good movie, yeah. You know, and that's 
That's the thing. And that's what I think about the Fantastic Four movie. If it wasn't titled Fantastic Four, it would be, you know, it'd probably be mid-70s, something like that. Yeah, or 60s maybe. Yeah. It would still be fresh. uh, Yeah, it would still be fresh. But because it's called Fantastic Four, everybody goes in, I mean... Like they were wanting to hate it. Yeah, and I went into it just going off of the Fat Man on Batman stuff and seeing the first trailer and going, "That looks like it won't suck." Let's. It looks. It, I, I mean, mean, the trailer did. I've I've seen Chronicle. Me. It's yeah. a good movie. Uh, it, it's a. It, it it would also be in that seventies kind of percentage. The, the, there's problems. There's issues. But it's a it's a good. It's not a great movie. It's a good movie. And the, and the, my and, only, and the thing is, um, I'm sure everybody's heard about this, but uh, Trank did come out and posted that said basically this would have been a much better movie if the studio hadn't stepped in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a much better movie a year ago. Yeah, and I I heard rumors. There were rumors floating around the internet when when the first cut came out that yes. fucking Fox hated it. Yeah, they, they did a they, lot of studio testing on that. Yeah, apparently they cut um, three major action sequences out of the movie, and that was in the script stage. They did that before they even started filming. Right, I like right. to read the script, like, and then, <laughs> but then when they saw the movie that he made for them, after that, they didn't like the cut, and apparently they recut the third act of the movie to be something completely different than what he had cut the movie to be. That's what I've heard is the official. Yeah. His his friend who also works in the movie business had made a statement that they cut him out of the. Like, that's not his cut of the movie. Right. That is well, a studio cut of the third actor. To be fair, I also heard the same thing from Josh Trank with. Um, Chronicle? Yeah. Is that he went, you know, you make some decisions when you're editing a movie and you have a strict deadline when it needs to come out. Um, I'm not really happy with those, so I'm going to fix them in the Blu-ray. Now, yeah. he probably will not get to fix this one in the Blu-ray, yeah. but we'll I, see. I, I, mean. I honestly haven't got to see the Chronicle Blu-ray version with the difference in yeah. there. I just know with that one, my major problem was Dane DeHaan's, whenever his character... Yeah, the party. Yeah, the yeah. Par- that whole party thing, you know, didn't feel like that was strong enough to turn somebody evil. Yeah. Um, well, there's also, like, you know, the Avengers... Two releases coming out in October, you know the whole cut with the farm. They had to cut out the, th- like yeah. you know they told. Apparently, it was going to be like a huge amount. Like, of you cut out Thor or you cut out the farm. You know that whole part. Right. Yeah. There, there's easily twenty minutes of footage from what Joss Whedon said. And twenty or thirty minutes might not do an uncut Blu-ray with all that in. They said I don't no. Know. Joss Whedon said the. I think that's in his really the, contract. The only thing I could think of is, I know Fox just released the Rogue cut. Of uh, Days of Future Past, yeah, that's interesting. So there could be a possibility, but also Days of Future Past was a huge hit, yeah. And they were like, "Hey, well, everybody's heard about the road cut, so let's." And Trank going on social media does not help that situation. It doesn't, you know. And I understand. I understand why he did it. I just, I just hate to have somebody, you know, your movie's just coming out. Let the product stand for itself. Talk about it on a podcast. Don't blast it. Yeah. On, I, I, blast I almost it thought like. Since it was since that third episode with Trank was coming out before the movie came out, and then the fourth episode was after, he was going to talk about the thing, you know, the more of like the choices that was made and the ones that he was like, oh, this is this comes from this and this comes from, and be more explicit in what he's talking about. And uh, these kind of things are pretty cool. I mean, it's some hearing these 
inside stories on the whole creative yeah. process. It's kind of like well, you I mean, know, I, even up to this, The point, Walking Dead season one to season two, when Frank Darabont yeah. quit and all the stuff that happened there with the meddling in the studio. And well, the, the the thing with Josh Trank though is that it, through the three episodes, he's been positive about the movie. Oh yeah, and positive about like his experiences making the movie. Right, and then the day before the movie comes out, when when all the when all the reviews drop, yeah, online, he goes, "I had a better movie." And it went from 70-something percent to 14%. Yeah, last time I looked, it was 8%. Well, this was Thursday. It went from like 70 to like 14. And that, and then like yesterday, it was 9. I guess it made it down to 8. I'm this to morning, go, it was 9. I'm, che- I'm checking down Rotten Tomatoes right yeah. now. Um, yeah, it's at 9%. Yeah. So. so, like that to me said... Okay, when I think of a 9% movie... When I think of a 9% movie, it's got to be real bad. Like, the dialogue's got to be awful. The acting's got to be bad. The effects have to look shitty. And none, and of, the- none of that is true. Like, I, I don't think that any of the acting's bad. I don't, you know. The, here's here's what the critical consensus is. Dull and downbeat, this Fantastic Four proves a woefully misguided attempt to translate a classic comic series without the humor, joy, or colorful thrills that made it great. Which is why we lambasted the last two movies, is because they were... But but they missed the mark in a totally different way. Right. But you know, I, like... Yeah. Um, now, the average audience score is 26%, so it's still not great, but it is... Markedly higher yeah, than the, the critics. It's just it kind of amazes me that I'm trying to find if there is a positive review. Like, what was I'm trying to think? I know After Earth was one of those movies where Twitter destroyed its opening weekend or whatever. There's another movie that that happened too, but I can't think of. Okay, I found one. Positive review so far. Wow. Above all, what distinguishes the film's approach is the faith it puts in its young lead actors, especially Teller, who made an impact as an ambitious jazz student in Whiplash and is no less impressive and thoughtful here. And that's mostly the stellar performance that they're praising. Um, a light subversive subversion of today's blockbuster aesthetics. Trank isn't using characters with built-in visual spectacle to wow us. He's inviting us to react with sympathy to what is basically the bodily horror of their new abilities. And, oh, sorry, this one will specifically speak to me. (laughs) Like the 2004 low-budget sci-fi movie, Primer. (laughs) If it had suddenly turned into David Cronenberg's The Fly once the invention is switched on, da-da-da-da-da, whatever, but it still likens it to Primer, which... And The Fly, and... Right. So, I mean, honestly... See, and that to me, likening something to The Fly is high fucking praise. If you're likening something to Cronenberg's Fly, that's high praise. So, like, people who would be like, this is like David Cronenberg's The Fly, that's an amazing film. You know, so you're not, you're overselling the movie to me now, (laughs) you know, like, when you compare it. But it does sound like he went more, he did talk a little, he mentioned Cronenberg, but it sounds like they went more that Cronenberg, Ridley Scott, well, I mean, the like 70s the, Ridley Scott. Kinda. Like whenever um, Reed wakes up, 
his body is completely stretched out like four times its length. And you see his muscles being expanded and all this stuff. And he's, and they have him sedated. So he starts waking up and starts asking where Ben is. And they're like, okay, let's sedate him a little bit more. And he passes out. And when he finally wakes up, it's him being able to shrink his limbs back to be yeah. able to escape there. You know, it's, it very much plays on that whole idea. Now, the one thing I will say with the, another thing that reminds me of the Incredible Hulk is that they have Tim Blake Nelson playing like the government stooge, which he played the guy who helped, who was uh, trying to do the blood transfusion thing for um, Edward he, Norton. He was in that movie? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, he, he's been in more things. Like, uh, now that I remember his face and stuff, yeah. it's like I've noticed him in a lot more stuff. But, like, so here's and here's one last one that is a positive review. It's affecting, it's thoughtful, it's often grif- gripping and it is different. Despite its faults, if you're weary, if you're wearying of comic book movie homogeneity, whatever it is, homogeneity. There it is. Um this is worth taking a chance on. So, I mean, a, l- a lot of these things are just like guys, this is different. It's worthwhile for that. See, and that's a Man of Steel was upsetting not because they took a different take. It, I don't mind a different take. What I mind is when you get the core of the character wrong. Yeah, and I think I think and they for got me the in Man of Steel, yeah. the, for me, I'm not like the biggest Superman fan. I know you're not a Superman fan, yeah. but like. For me, the core of the character is because he is a god, quote unquote, he will do whatever it takes to save a human life. And any human life. Even if he can't save everyone, he will save who he can. And what I and the reason I like Man of Steel is because they give him a different aspect. Like the you know, yes, that is the core of the character. If Pa Kent wasn't an asshole. But that's the thing. That was the other thing. And, is the, and then, you, you, and then what, I, what I love about the new trailer is whenever um, Ma Kent is sitting there, she goes, you don't owe this world a thing. And if you look on his face, he's just like, really racist mother? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you're, you're so cute with your racism. You know, so, it's, it's something along those lines. That's yeah. the look he gives her like, really? Really, mom? Did you just say what I think you just said? They're people too. <laughs> Everyone is people. Um, uh. So, last thing, you know, I don't know if I, I don't have as much to say as I had about Fantastic Four, but you know, we kind of. That's a bulk, it's the bulk of the podcast. Yeah, now. I, I, I blew my load a little uh, bit earlier. It happens sometimes. But, um, I also uh. I also got to see Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. That's a good movie. I liked it. Um, I honestly think I like Brad Bird's better. Me too. <laughs> I have not seen Rogue Nation, so I have yeah. no. But you did. You did see um, the last one, right? Oh yeah, I saw Ghost Protocol. I was yeah. Actually, that's the reason why I went and saw Ghost Protocol was Brad Bird's directing. Do 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 do. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think Ghost Protocol is a better movie. Rogue Nation has some really cool stuff in it. Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the redheaded guy from. 
um, Red Riding. Oh yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. He plays the villain. I think Sean Harris is his name. I, yeah, I think that's right. Um, he plays the villain. It's just really weird to look at him being clean shaven and blonde. And it took me a while to un- recognize who he <laughs> who he was. Honestly, I, I saw this on a forum. What I'm really wanting now is them to do Mission Impossible 1 with his team. Like, what do you mean? Well, he's had a almost consistent team since 3 now. Yeah. What we need is Mission Impossible 1 where they kill off the team and leave him alone. Oh. Because that would be genuinely affecting to see Benji die. As opposed to Mission Impossible 1 where you're like, hey, that's Emilio. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, we need that paranoid feeling now. Like, this movie starts with them dissolving the IMF. Okay. We've seen this. Yes. <laughs> well, they're all kind of the same. Yeah, really. I mean, there, there's the... Um, Disavow. The honest trailers. Yeah, the, yeah. the honest yeah. trailers. That was my favorite part. Disavowed. <laughs> disavowed. 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 We'll all be disavowed. 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 So, I mean, it really is all the same story, but now that he has had a consistent team for three movies... We need the... We need something to shake it up and, you know, whatever. Fucking kill Tom Cruise. It's not going to happen. I know, but that that's what was supposed to happen at the end of Ghost Protocol. Like, it was supposed to be leading into having Jeremy Renner take over. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the original idea was Until, that, until the Bourne movie that he was in. Yeah. Went, uh, was not a wow. financial success. Did not know that. Now, I have to say, and it, it's a very small thing, um, but in the movie when they're doing the motorcycle race... <laughs> Or whenever he's cha- the motorcycle chase. Tom Cruise on the motorcycle. And he takes the turn a little bit too far and hits his knee on the concrete. Mm. That, for me, was like them go- him going 90 miles an hour and his knee ticks off the concrete. That was the part that I went, oh, shit. You know, that, <laughs> like, and he just keeps going. But for me, as a viewer, for me, that was like the most like, oh, Scrape. fuck moment. Scrape. Ouch. Yeah. Just like no knee pads, no nothing. Just straight knee, you know, a 53-year-old hitting his knee on the Crazy. I'm, in, I'm impressed Psycho. with Tom Cruise, honestly. He did all those stunts, you know, those. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, this was kind of coming out. Like, even the uh, stunts where they straight, where the, where the, where the film company goes, no, we will not. He'll be like, uh, I'll take half my pay to do those stunts. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't kill that's, Tom Cruise. That's what he did in the first movie, apparently, is he took. He is his salary he used to pay the insurance so he could do all his own stunts. I like that. Um, the, the, they did have some legitimately good stuff in there, like the opera scene where they have three different story, basically storylines going on at the exact same point. The snipers. Yeah, part, the snipers. Yeah. And- so they did the better version of what happened than what happened in Quantum of Solace with Tosca? Yeah. Um, well, the which thing, opera did they use? Uh, it's it has nothing to do with the the fucking story, which is the problem. Yeah, that, that 
And that was the thing. Tosca at least has something to do with quantum assaults, even if it's super tangential. Here, I'll, I'll try and look it up real quick. But it's, um, it's okay. It's not a worry. Well, I, I know on the quarter to three podcast, they go. Tom goes into that for quite a bit. Like this has nothing to do with it. Like I don't know why <laughs> yeah. they chose it. <laughs> like it would have been like, nice. This makes no sense. Why didn't you pick a opera that actually has some relationship to the story? Yeah. Because um, I mean that's what that's what great filmmaking like I, I I know I didn't talk about it in my thing but I finally saw Bronson and like the opening move the opening song with uh, uh, the uh, the electrician by uh, the Walker Brothers yeah I mean uh, I mean that's perfect and then the, using the Siegfried uh, death uh, de- funeral march when he's being marched towards the cell for the first time after uh, be- or to solitary confinement for the first time i was like yep that is so <laughs> that is such perfect musical like that if you are a musician and you know the concept it adds a whole another layer of meaning to that sequence you know yeah i mean it's um like why wouldn't you tie it in yeah like, speaking of bronson real quick um I know we've talked about Bronson before. That's why I didn't want to. Um, heavily condensed. Or sorry, the opera is Turandot. Toronto. That's it. There yeah. you go. Toronto. Yeah. They that's did a this Chinese emperor. It's a Puccini opera. That's about the Chinese emperor. Yeah. Um, what the fuck does that have to do with a Mission Impossible movie? No fucking clue. <laughs> you could have done a Carmen. That would have been easier. <laughs> so at least she has to like break into a jail and then. You know, the the guy kills her at the end. There's betrayal and stuff. That would have, like, connected to the last two movies. I'm trying to think of a movie, too, where, you know, there's some going on with the opera scene in the background. And you're, you know, you're watching the characters in the audience. and <laughs> But, like, this, like you're saying, this opera has nothing to do it's with like, anything, really. It does And, like, I understand. It's okay if you just, <laughs> if they go to an opera and that's just... Like, it doesn't, like, if they just go. But if there's some sort of, like, all these storylines are coming together. Well, I mean, it, like, it, it's, it, what it basically is, is that a uh, diplomat is there that's going to be assassinated. And so, um, Ethan brings Benji in to just kind of scout the faces, try and identify this guy. And turns out that there's three different people that are there to snipe to kill the um, prime minister and all three end up kind of coming together to you know (laughs) they they end up trying to stop you know all three of them and doing all this stuff and you know it's like fail safe after fail safe after fail safe but it's like a 20 to 30 minute sequence that the opera is going on almost this entire time and you're like gee I wonder what this has to do oh fucking nothing um (laughs) But Bronson, I, I watched it again this past week. That's funny. Um, absolutely love that movie. I keep forgetting how many times we see him full frontal. There's a lot of dick in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, the point with the librarian being, I always forget about the um, him taking the guy um, hostage yeah. in his room and just having him butter him down. <laughs> yeah. Faster, faster, faster! It's my faster. body armor. Put it on me. You yeah. cunts. 
Well, and also, uh, okay, speaking of mentioning something and then there being a payoff, uh, the governor, which is what they call wardens, apparently, in, uh, in the prison system of England, is he says, you know, a budding Magritte. And then what does he do to the art teacher, the bowler hat, the green apple? Like, I was just like, all of this, all of this Magritte imagery tied into this moment of a, before the final sequence, in the final act of the movie. And I'm like, that was something mentioned in dialogue that they right. paid off in the imagery of the movie. Well, and what I loved is his alter ego at the theater. Oh yeah, how how much he plays with that sort of stuff. The scene where he switches the faces. Yeah. Yeah, like I was like, he deserved an Oscar for that moment. Like, there's very few actors I've ever seen be able to just switch, like right. completely switch on a dime. Yeah, like it's a turn of heel, and he has completely different posture, and and it's and it's it's subtle. Like everything about it is. You know, and then he goes back to being Bronson, like turn on a dime. Yeah, like no shift, no, no fancy. I I must prepare for yeah. my seat. It's like no, that's an actor. That's yeah. a well, and then you know him doing the music video. You know, the whole like man. It's very Manson. It reminded me of that during kind of that those sequences. What do you mean, man- it, like Marilyn Manson? Marilyn Manson. Okay. Yeah. Um, now what I, what I was gonna give is I just, love the suit that he wears when he first has the clown makeup. I want yeah. I I want a cut. I want a <laughs> suit cut like that because God, it's fucking. What um as an anecdote um, my critique partner on my book just uh, she's she's changed the book so it's not anywhere close to it, but she had a character who was in prison, who's used to training and fighting, and. Started the book with them laying down in bed, watching the ceiling, kind of listen, not being able to sleep and listening to everything in the, like all the small sounds. And I'm like, you need to watch the opening to Bronson because that's what a warrior is, yeah. is, you know, doing pushups, moving their body so that the muscle, you know, they loosen up the muscles, pun- punching a cage to, you know, strengthen their body, doing push-ups and scream, you know, just like he is constantly moving. He never stops. Like, that's what your, you know, your warrior who is stuck in prison and feels like they, you know, kind of feels confined by it, should be doing all the movement, doing everything they can to keep busy and build their body. They should not be laying down on a cot. Yeah. Waiting for, you know, waiting to fall asleep. They should basically be training until exhaustion knocks them out. You know? Yeah. Going all the way. Like. Yeah. So I I don't think she's even using that anymore. But that was my, you know, like, you need to watch Bronson. It's on Netflix. Just watch the opening, like, five minutes of it. No, watch the whole. Well, watch the whole movie. Watch the whole movie. But if you're going to watch anything of it, watch that opening. Now, my thing about Bronson is. You've seen Drive, right? Yeah. Dr- Bronson came out before Drive, but somehow I wasn't prepared for Drive. But going back and watching Bronson after watching Drive, 
there's a clear evolution there. Yeah. I mean, there's very much several um, music video music video sequences of their, like, when he's doing the underground boxing. Yeah. Well, with, yeah. With the music that they're playing there and the, you know, it's got the driving techno beat. It's got him, you know, fighting stuff with just music telling the story, which is something that Drive does throughout. Yeah. Like, it's like he took those sequences from Bronson and just expanded it out into a full movie. But if you also notice, I mean, Only God Forgives, he wrote before he made Drive. And Drive is not his script, but it's a very silent character. Right. So maybe it's because he got more interested in less dialogue as a as a filmmaker. Because, I mean, Valhalla Rising... He's almost completely he's completely silent. Right. He never says a word, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh and maybe that's the thing is he got interested after Bronson in this concept of the silent protagonist. Right. And telling a story with with more uh subtlety and visuals and uh cuts and repeated sequences of certain images and but like the thing that really struck me is the movie that Bronson reminded me of that I wasn't expecting it to was A Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I was like, this feels like a fucking modern Kubrick movie. And that's why Nicholas Winding Refn is one of my favorite I, directors. I was like, the, some of the long shots, the stuff in the mental asylum, I was like, wow, like this is Kubrick. This is, this is what... This is the style of Kubrick, not not like ripping off Kubrick. It's like this is that Kubrick, not judging the morality of characters, right. despite how despicable they are through music or certain manipulative shots and edits and stuff. It's very much like taking this amoral center about all of the characters. Well, I mean, you, you can definitely say that with the first scene in The Mental Institute where you just have a long shot on a guy shitting into his own hand and then starting to apply it to his face. Yeah. Which like, is, there's no commentary on it. You're just like, okay, this is happening. Which which is in a way, and he's watching him, and then when he gets back to prison was the first time he puts the body armor on. Right. And then it becomes paint. And then, obviously, in that first scene, it was shit. Yeah. But, you know, but you don't know that until you've seen... Like, it's like a visual payoff that you don't get... It's never explicitly said to you, right. but you know after watching it. You though. need to see Bronson. Oh, man. <laughs> on Netflix, right? Yeah. It is on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Watch every Nicholas Winding Refn movie that's on there. I've seen I, Drive, that's about it. Okay, yeah. now the question, I have you seen his, the documentary about Nicholas Winding Refn? Uh, the, the one his wife made? Mm-hmm. I have not watched it yet. I haven't got to either. Um, I will say I was super disappointed with Nicholas Winding Refn in the um, Drive special features. He, I know English isn't his um, natural language, but he sounds like such a dipshit. Like I, I can't believe that the genius that I see in these films came from him because he's literally talking about how Drive came to be. Uh, I was really sick and uh, had Ryan Gosling drive me around uh, L.A. and I said, "This this is the movie we're gonna make. We're gonna make a movie about driving." <laughs> Which is not the actual story because it wasn't even his script. I know, I know, but it, the only reason why Ryan Gosling did, he wanted to do Drive, but the but Nicholas wanted to do Only God Forgives, but so they made a deal where it's like I'll do this, 
if you direct this. But so you know, it's just like I, I, I really need to watch the that documentary because it's about only God forgives, and well, about the shooting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about how long it took them to shoot it and him kind of breaking down over the course of it. I, I like I, I know that they're like he and his wife and his two children are like living in an apartment in Bangkok or whatever. Right. Like at the top of a very tall building and Yeah, so I need I need to watch it. I'll probably actually watch it tomorrow if I'm given the chance. Yeah. But um but so it's but it, I don't know, it's kinda like when you first hear Sam Raimi talk. Yeah. You don't expect someone who's so, like, as far as, like, visual storytelling, like, his movies are so visual that it's like, but you hear this kind of just norm, very normal, almost a little, uh, like, a kind of a high-pitched voice for a, a guy that directs horror movies. <laughs> the first time I heard his voice, you know, I mean, it's kind of... It's kind of interesting how some care, some people's personalities are in opposition to the types of things that they make. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean David Lynch. He's the perfect one. Everyone always talks about. He's the like, this this Boy Scout who talks really proper and does you know dresses a certain way all the time, and then like his movies have all this depravity and darkness <laughs> to them. Also, the thing I like so much about Bronson is that Tom Hardy went from his size from Rock and Rolla to his size to play Bane by doing 2,500 push-ups a day. Yeah. And then four years later, regained it after to play Bane. Because, like, that was 2011 when they shot Dark Knight Rises. Right. And 2007 when they brought, when they shot uh Bronson Well just just to let you know um looks like Zoo uh, I guess you know whatever website that is says it is a clockwork orange for the 21st century huh. So you're you're right there um So yeah I think that is all that we have been consuming Yeah uh, I might be wrong about that Uh hmm Selling stuff on eBay Kind of I don't know sometimes. if that's really consuming. I think <laughs> I think that's producing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, what do you do when someone wants a refund and you don't offer refunds and they don't give you a reason why they want to return the item? You say no. Yeah. I emailed him asking, can you tell me why you want to return the item? Well, I don't know. I just don't want it. Well, sorry, you can't get a refund. I'm going to say that to them if they tell me why. <laughs> anyway, uh... I, I've been consuming Splatoon on the Wii U still. That's a great game. Uh, I'm excited about the Nintendo NX, their new system coming out maybe next year. It's all under rumors and wraps right now, no idea. But the first game that was unofficially announced is Dragon Quest Eleven. Square Enix announced it for the PS4, the 3DS, and they also slipped it out that it's maybe coming for the NX but they backtracked on that and said, wait, no, it's not. Because Nintendo probably was like, hey, you can't talk about the NX yet, you know. Right. And people are kind of upset anyway at Nintendo because they delayed the Zelda Wii U game. Mm-hmm. And now everyone's expecting it to come out on both the Wii U and the NX. Which is what they did with the Wii version of Twilight Princess. Yeah. Which I'm fine with. If if it does that, I'll most likely get the NX version. 
I'm kind of curious about this system because who knows what Nintendo this is this could be very well their last traditional home console system because of the way things are going right now in the game industry even though the PS4 is selling really good there's not a whole lot of stuff out for it right now I mean uh, honestly you know not and, to get into a huge discussion about the current state of the game industry but I mean it's just really it is weird that we're th- this is going to be the third year of these consoles and we're you know or at least they'll turn three in November and you'd be almost five pretty soon yeah, yeah. and it's just kind of weird that we still only have what 40 maybe 50 games and a lot of those are remasters of the previous generation yes you know in lots of indie games. It's I mean, like to, making to, up the other half but, of but it. But the kinda. problem with the indie games is that a lot of them are ones that would just come out on PC anyway, and now they're just transferring them over. over. So it's, you know, you're playing the, almost the exact same game with the same controller support that you were on the previous generation. They just happen to be coming out on these systems. I mean, Rocket, Rocket League is the greatest example of this. The last one sold like 2.5 million copies, but, you know, nobody heard about the previous game that sold a lot but it was only on PC and then the first month it comes out it's $20 on PC and they yeah. sell like 500,000 copies and they sell 4.5 um, million copies on the PS4 because it's free for you know that for last month and it's getting a lot of buzz about it too um so anyway I'm you know I'm still a video game guy it's just crazy you know these systems and the games coming out whereas you know People would spend a lot of time making pixel art for the Super Nintendo games, and they had a lot of games. So times are changing. A lot of stuff's going to mobile. I'll be a traditional gamer till I die. So you know, I'll just I can stick with the old games. I got old a lot of school. I got a lot of Japanese RPGs, and those can take a long time to play through. So I got enough to last me till I die. So um, <laughs> as I said, I haven't played this, but I did have to laugh. The Witcher, the first one. The um, Witcher? Yeah. Um, I've had the game since it came out in like 2007. The first like. the first Witcher? The first Witcher. Okay. I've had it. It took me four years to beat the first area, just because <laughs> I would forget about it, leave it for, you know, play it for an hour and a half, have yeah. fun, leave it, come back, finally beat it. Got to the second area and paused it, had to do something else. I recently pulled it back up on my computer thinking, oh, it's been maybe six months since I played it. 2012 was the last <laughs> time I booted it up. Hmm. Uh. Because I got to a new area. I was like, yes, I, can, I, I might actually beat the game this time. And then I have walked away from it for three years. <laughs> <laughs> Not even fucking realizing. It'd, it'd be cool. I don't know if you can check your percentage on how much you've actually accomplished uh, in the I, game. I, I will look. I probably think like that, 10% or not, something. Not even that. I Probably like 5% because I, I, I actually, I beat the intro of the game, got to the first area, beat that. What's interesting about The Witcher, just to let Nathan know, is that um, it's the branching storylines. Okay. Um, and what they do is that you will start a storyline with one decision here. Five, six hours later, you'll actually finish that storyline through multiple areas that you had no idea you were playing that storyline. And then they'll give you like flashcards 
that show you each of the decisions you made to get to that point. Now, what's cool is that there are three Witcher games. At the end of, or at the beginning of each of the Witcher games, you can load in your save from the previous game, yeah. which changes those decisions. Huh. Even and then the second game, after you finish the intro area, you have to make a decision between two areas, and it completely cuts off that other half of the game. And then you load those de- those decisions into number three. Which is the current one that's out. Which I hear is actually more openly convenient for newcomers to get into to play the third Witcher. Yeah, um, from what I've heard about three is that they actually kind of do what like Mass Effect did with, um, you can talk to people, you, you know, they're like, how would you make this decision here, 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 and here? So you can bring mm. in your previous decisions without loading in the save. But... I kind of want to play through the whole thing, and but at this point, doesn't really look like I'm going to. Well, know, I mean, but now you're thinking about it, so yeah, I thought about it three years ago whenever I was playing it. <laughs> like, yeah, let's do this thing. And you you also weren't a dad <laughs> yet. Like, uh, I want to get about to be about a dad. To be a dad. You, you have a point. <laughs> uh, like, I have Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii, and Xenoblade Chronicles X is about to come out, and. Literally, the game, the way the size of it is as big as the continent of Japan. The whole, it, it, the archipelago, it, it's wait, that wait, size. You mean island? The, oh, the continent, the island, my bad. <laughs> you, you can spin the like... continent of Asia. You can spend, uh, I think they said basically 300 hours in that game just getting through the story. Maybe not counting side quests. Holy shit. It's just... It, that's it, really. I don't know how. That's, that's what like else the you Russian novel, uh, <laughs> massive Tolstoy war and piece right. of video games right there. Mm-hmm. Three hundred hours. Oh. See, and that amazes me. If a if a if a thousand page book takes thirty three hours to read, quote unquote, right. like in actual reading time, and people will spend hundreds of hours playing one game. Think of all the books they could have read. <laughs> The game or is a written, book, Nathan. Or written or participated to in. Be, to be fair, one of the things I really like about Skyrim, or at least the Elder Scrolls series, is it's first person, you play how you want to play. Like The thing I actually like about that one is if your character runs in the game, they their athletics go up. And you build your character how you play it, as opposed to like old Final Fantasy stuff where you kill a monster you get 300 experience you level up to level two and all your stats increase because of that yeah but the thing i like about it is is that they have hundreds of years of history and they have books inside of the game that you can read that are like poetry or fiction or non-fiction about it and you know in non-fiction and And you know the lighter version the fallout reading hacking into old computers from before the fallout war began and reading old emails from people in departments that well, some abandoned like and building I, is, and I'm not saying that like a good, cool. well constructed, well created video game isn't a really good form of art as well. No, I I understand exactly. No, we're getting but into I'm, a whole other topic. Video games is art in a way. Well, but okay, we so, to. well, but I'm but let's I'm, buckle down. Three more hours. Let's okay. go, guys. But no, <laughs> that, that's just what I, I'm not. I, I'm not trying to. Diminish. Oh video no, games I'm not saying you are. No. no, no, no. But it it sounded reductionist. I realize <laughs> what I said. But I'm I'm yeah, just you son of a bitch. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, it just kind of a. Uh, it's like if there was a little bit more equality, I guess, to what people wasted. 
<laughs> or used their time yeah, doing. Because I, I don't get me wrong, I've probably had times where I've spent more hours on YouTube than I should have. You know, <laughs> YouTube's my TV, man. Yeah. I have a watch later list right now that's going on twenty videos deep, and I love it. Yeah. See, uh, you know, honestly, to kind of wrap things up, my the the thing I've noticed recently with not having a job and being able to watch movies is like I'm going through I actually just alphabetized my Netflix list that's what I do when you can I'm bored. do that well you just go on to netflix.com and you have to manually oh. re-alphabetize it I do this every once in a while I've even done it by category and then alphabetize like comedies and all that that seems so useless to yeah, do on Netflix your vinyl records by the year you got it <laughs> no, no, you, no you do it by uh uh, chronological by um, how I got the yeah or auto autobiographical. So I got to remember <laughs> not alphabetical. I, oh, now, now we've gone high fidelity over here <laughs> autobiographical. So I got to remember that if I want to listen to this track, I got to remember uh, that I got it from this person uh, on this date. You know, huh. as, a, as a gift. <laughs> That's my favorite response. Huh. That sounds comforting. <laughs> I, lo- I love High Fidelity, but um, yeah, I've noticed too. that I've gone through and I've been watching old movies as opposed to experiencing new movies. Yeah. And I, I don't know why. It's just kind of those, oh, I pull up, watch it again. I'm going through and go, watch it again. I don't remember watching Daylight. Let me watch that. Yeah, I'm never going to remember that movie. <laughs> or like, okay, I'm going to watch Terminator instead yeah. of watching something brand new. So I don't know what's going well, on. Well, you could watch Terminator and not watch Genesis and you'll be fine. Yeah, there's there's a I, I, on the last uh, on the last con- consuming episode, I talked about how much Genesis is just a fucking TV episode. It feels so, like a TV show. Well, it just feels like an episode. <laughs> and I, I've heard other people talk about how, in some ways, like right now, the whole shared universe thing is just making movies more like TV mm, instead mm. of like. Trying to make more self-contained things that do more interesting things. Well, and then you get get something like Fantastic Four, where they try to do something interesting with it, and you know, I guess. <laughs> I know I keep trying to it's wrap this fucking thing up. Well, land the plane. The, the, the problem is, is Jurassic World. You know, you have Jurassic World, Terminator Genesis, and then you put Fantastic Four next to those. I mean, Jurassic World is the top-grossing movie right now. Third highest of all time, actually. There now. you go. Yeah, and, and slavish to the original material. To a you know, to a you know negative degree to you know to where it just goes so far that you're like you know I was with the movie up until the last climactic battle, and I just kind of had to say, this is really dumb. Like this, this is like levels. But then you have Terminator Genesis, which is trying to be slavish to the material, but because falling reference, sh- but but falling short, like having Jai Courtney redo all the Kyle Reese stuff. But it's yeah. super clean as compared to the really the gritty dark. Jam- yeah, you know, the ver- cinematography in James Cameron's Terminator. Right. Yeah, they didn't fit fix that. They made it look like they made Terminator look like Terminator Two, and then Terminator <laughs> Genesis look like Terminator Three. <laughs> so, so, uh, but, uh, but, 
but my point overall is that you have these movies that are, um, but you have Mad Max who does something different, yeah. but does it with a stylish flair that that a lot of people like. That is an amazing movie, but it wasn't. It didn't make a ton of money. It was a critical darling, but didn't make a ton of money. Then you have Jurassic World, which is, you know, slavish to it. Third highest grossing movie of all time now. And then you have Terminator Genesis, which is referential, but tries to create a new line by cannibalizing all the previous ones. Yeah. And then you have Fantastic Four, which kind of goes, we're going to try something different. And then it goes, boom. Yeah, it just, it's, you know, everybody complains about this reboot, remake, oversaturation that we've got going on. But when somebody does try to do something different, I, you know, I, I can't say anything better because I saw the Point Break trailer. I actually watched Point Break for the first time a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And then I watched the new Point Break trailer and I'm going, this is dumb. Like this is there. The, the first, the first movie is actually clever. Like, it is. I mean, and despite the, Keanu Reeves best attempts at playing, well, and, playing Ted. One yeah. of the things I like so much about <laughs> point break is the humor that they have for his character. Like yeah. him coming into the thing. And, um, what's his, what's the Patrick Swayze, Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte. No, it's not Nick Nolte. It's, um, it's Nick Nolte. It's Gary Busey. Oh, it is Gary Busey. Shit. I just did the thing. Yeah, I just did, did the thing. You did. But Fuck. Having, having Gary Busey just sit there and just be like, all oh, these, these punks, you know, piece of shit, think they know everything. It's because you were talking mm-hmm. about Incredible Hulk earlier. So, and then, um, you know, to have him pull down the thing and Keanu Reeves just does this like little <laughs> wave like, hi, I'm the you know arrogant jock. You know, that, yeah. that whole thing. I absolutely but, uh, love the humor that they had presented there. But then you watch the new Point Break trailer where it's just like, I believe that they are um, extreme sports people like me. And you go, what? And it's about them destabilizing economies by blowing up my gold, like, you know, creating avalanches to destroy gold trucks and that they're willing to kill anybody to get what they want, which just seems like, they why, didn't even is, watch Point Break. Well, also here's the other thing: Why is that fucking movie called Point Break at that point? Yeah, because it has not like they're using Utah and um, Bodie, and, and that's you could use the Johnny Utah character. That's fine. Put him in a fucking another movie. Right, but that, I don't care. But the, like the whole thing about Bodie was that he was supposed to be kind of like Buddhist, like Zen, like we don't hurt anybody. We're you know, yeah. I have a plan. It, we don't hurt anybody. We don't go into the vault. We don't do this. We don't do that. There's and, rules. And we're looking for that, you know, it's a spiritual life. Like, and this new guy We're guy's trying to make like, enough money that we don't have to do this anymore, in a way, you know? Right. And the new one is just like, we're just stabilizing world economies, and we're willing to kill to do whatever, so... We're terrorists. Yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> like, just, we're extreme sports terrorists. It's like, didn't this happen in, like, extreme ops? Isn't this... Tri- is this a triple X remake? <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just kind of the larger point of... They're just throwing names on... Okay, that's what's really interesting in the player is you hear these fucking pitches. The movie opens with, okay, The Graduate Two, 
And I was just like, oh, oh, God. What's, you know, you're just like, that's, all this is, is just someone got a pitch and they somehow, and somehow the movie got through the pitch stage, (laughs) through the script stage, through the pre-production phase, filmed, edited, they put, they paid a composer to put music on it, and getting released with a huge marketing budget. And no one realized it was a fucking bad idea. Well, I think a lot of the times they're just, you know, you know, that, uh, I don't know, they're, they're banking on name recognition, they don't, you know, it's, and I could, you know, as I said, Point Break isn't an amazing movie. Like, the most I knew about it before was Hot Fuzz, with the turning on the back and firing the gun up into the air. And I finally saw the full thing, and I was like, you know, there's some clever stuff, there's some good stuff here, and then watching the trailer this week and going, how the fuck is this even considered, like, a remake of this? I forgot all about the remake. I forgot they Until were, you just told yeah, us. About I didn't it. even know they were remaking it. Like, Cuz I saw the, the trailer and I was the, like, Ugh. The, the opening of it is them on a plane and them like taking a pallet full of money and then as they're skydiving down, cutting the pallet so that the money goes everywhere. And lands on like this really poor town almost like a Robin Hood sort of thing, but not really because they're willing to kill people to do it. Well, Robin Hood was willing to kill. Oh, I know, but it, I'm just saying it's a it's a weird take on those characters when the, the, the to whole, the point that it has no relationship. Right. The to whole the point of Point Break was Utah identified with Bodie. He considered which, him a friend. He didn't want to betray him. Right. He didn't. You know, it was once he realized that's that the Bodie, point of the reference in fucking Hot Fuzz. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> anyway, the world is going to shit. New ideas don't sell. They do. T- they do sell. They do. I mean, Ex Machina was awesome, I mean, and well, but, but I mean, also yeah. look at Fantastic Four is still a remake, reboot, adapted, not a new idea. It's a new version in the remake, redapt, readapt. Shi- re- but they're shitting all over the. Oh no, no, no! I'm not saying it's a. I'm yeah. not saying that it, they probably should have taken a bet. People should have taken a, a better. Less of a shit on it, but I guess I guess my point is it's the same point I mentioned earlier. If it wasn't called Fantastic Four, if it was called Planet Zero or whatever, yeah. it would have done well. If it had been, if even if it had been a sneak reboot of Fantastic Four, and they just called it Planet Zero, yeah, it came out and people went and watched it and went, "That's a Fantastic Four movie." That's that's fucking Reed Richards right there. That's the. Th- That'd be really hard to do that, but I, I mean, you you could cut a trailer yeah. with what they have there, too. I mean, they could. I mean, they fucking did it with Paranormal Activity three, where they made it into like this super like violent sort of thing, where the demon shows up all the time, and then you watch the movie, and it's like, oh yeah. You know that new Paranormal? You can actually see the demon finally. That's so. the big thing about that one. I think it's in 3D. Um, <laughs> I was actually, but, that, that trailer for Paranormal, it was a five or six or 900, I don't know. The newest one The newest out. one. I was like, 
this still looks like a shitty movie, but there's actually seems like there's more horror in it than right. the last. Well, and few but that's what that they I've did with seen. three. Is like in three, they cut the trailer to be like. Um, what you guys need to do is get out of the and the guy's head slams down into the table and then you watch the actual movie and he goes I really think you guys need to get out of the house yeah insane like so they that, used alternate takes they, yeah they, in made, the... they made it in, it was the catfish guys and they made it into a catfish trailer a catfish trailer essentially where it's just like Oh, this is gonna be the most intense one you've ever seen, and then literally nothing happens. People watch the, the scenes in the movie. You're thinking that's coming up because you saw the trailer, and it doesn't. Right. So, so you're like, huh? they, they you could, don't know what's gonna happen. They could yeah. edit the film to be, you know, do the Victor Domnell or whatever his Domashev. Domashev, you know, use the alternate names there, and then when the movie comes out, or even pretend like it's actually a Victor Von Doom, like not necessarily Doom, but like pretend it's his movie. You could cut. A trailer from an, yeah. I'm sure there's enough B-roll and and stuff that they shot. You could cut a fake Planet Zero trailer where I mean, you, this hacker breaks into another universe. And yeah, I mean, as I said, <laughs> basically the first trailer. I mean, I don't think there's anything in there that says that it's um, Fantastic Four. I think you may get to see the thing as he's like ripping out of the rocks or something like that. Yeah, I think it's just them standing. At the very end. Yeah. But, you know, let's say that somebody in the future, you know, they could have done that for Fantastic Four, released it as a kind of subversion sort of thing, and the people who went and saw it went, oh shit, this is a new Fantastic Four. But because they front-loaded Fantastic Four and showed all the new decisions they were making, yeah. you know, it just, people went in. They're just dog. People are just dogpiling. Yeah, you know? I, I, I really... Maybe later on people will come back to Fantastic it, Four. It'll be, it'll be a cult film. They really Fox think? apparently has greenlit it, greenlit the sequel. But you know what that means? Green Lantern Two was greenlit before it completely yeah. bombed. I bet you. So was Mac and me. Yeah, but also Green Lantern didn't destroy the superhero momentum of superhero films. You know. Give me one second. I'm checking to see what Green Lantern's rating is because this is going to be. <laughs> this might actually make me angry. Twenty six percent. That movie has. There's really only like two or three good scenes. The only scene I remember <laughs> actually being good is whenever he throws Parallax into the sun and he stops and you see like a big cloud. Well, the, the, it's the, the shot monster. of him like standing in front of the sun, with the way his hair like moves a little bit. It's like that's a comic book cover, you know. That's the only good scene I remember in that fucking movie. You want to know what's funny? Is one of the writers is the guy who created Arrow, <sighs> and here and Arrow is doing really well and is a huge hit with a lot of fans. So it just shows you like you can make a mistake. Yeah, I I just I don't know how people can be saying that Green Lantern is better than this Fantastic Four. Like there, as I said, uh, I think the user reviews will reflect the uh, the general audience, the general people who actually aren't like super critical. To get those people wanted those reviews out right away to bash. I I I guess I guess my question is when it comes down to it is. At least with the audience reviews, how much of it was before it came out one-star reviews? 
or five star review, you know, and how much of it is going to be people like me that go, this is actually a good fucking movie. You know, I'll give it a, I'll give it a 10 just to counterbalance all the assholes who are doing, giving it a one. Is it a buy like on Blu-ray for you? I don't know about that just because uh, I, I would say it would depend on the special features. Like, I haven't bought Ex Machina. I love that movie, but I haven't bought it yet. It's kind of like It Follows. I saw It Follows three times in theaters. Wow. I haven't bought it on Blu-ray. Yet. Yet. You, you know, might go, yeah. Yeah, it might be one of those. Well, and like Birdman, what I'm waiting for is them to actually release the special edition. Because there has to be. There has to be a special edition of Birdman. It's so fucking good. It's so technically complex. Well, there, there has to be a behind the like a two hour behind the scenes criteria. Like when they make the Criterion Collection, I guess is the one that I'll buy. Right. You know because it has that's the what essay, I want. You know, yeah. yeah. The essay, the analysis, and inner. Uh, Did they do anything else? Did they ever do uncut versions for any of the other guys' movies, like Babel or? Uh, I think they did Elmer's a Paris. special. I know. Be- I know. Beautiful has a bunch of special features on the Blu-ray. This one has like one or two, and I'm like, this is Birdman. Like this, this has a different layer of complexity. Oh. Criterion like, could get their hands on it, and that'd be really cool if they. Well, did, it also yeah. it won Best Picture, so it will get. Something. A criterion eventually. I just don't want to wait twenty fucking years. Yeah, I mean they just released the Black Stallion on Criterion, which yeah. is pretty cool because I like that movie a lot. You know. But I, I guess that's uh, it for all we've consumed. An oh. hour later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. The guy responded to my eBay thing. He wrote, "I sold a Game Boy Advance SP." He goes, "I bought it thinking it was a black one, but it's a silver one, and I already have a silver one. That's why he wants to return it." Bullshit. It clearly All says right. silver on my listing. All right. <laughs> no so, refunds. Producing versus consuming. Yes. Uh, so. So, Skylar, can we find you anywhere on the internet? Anywhere. No. Okay. Anywhere. Eat dogs, Instagram, just, anywhere. I don't know. You just need to make a Twitter. Just make it. No, I don't want you. Nah. Just, 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 you don't have to check it. Just make it. Just Twitter all over face, neck, and chest. <laughs> Nathan. Uh, so, this is Nathan. You can find me on the Doobies Consumers Facebook page. You can find me on <sighs> Tumblr at Nate Wad. You can find me on Twitter at Nate Wad Neutron. You can also find me on the Doobies Consumer Twitter page. Justin, would you like to attempt the litany? I will try the litany. Um, you, this is Justin D. Hurd. You can find me at justindheard.com, justindheard.net, justinheard.com. On Twitter, at Justin D. Hurd. On Facebook, at Real Justin D. Hurd. On Google+, Plus at Justin D. Hurd. Author, I believe, is added on there. I have an Amazon page that is amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Justin D. Hurd. I'm on Pinterest, Justin D. Hurd. Instagram, Justin D. Hurd. Tumblr, Justin D. Heard. You can also find my book of gods and madness, the faithful. Made it to the book on Amazon, um, Smashwords, Kobo, Nook, Google Books, even iBooks as well. You can buy it. You, you can. can buy it everywhere. Um, easiest way to get to it is bit.ly forward slash o g a m t f for of gods and madness, the faithful. 
you know, instead of, you know, you know how sometimes a buddy will borrow four bucks from you and never pay it back. This, on the digital edition, you can pay four bucks and you get a book. No, no. Other, well, yeah, you get the digital edition yeah, for four bucks. you get the bucks. digital book. If you want the hard copy book for $13, you get the ebook, which is, as we stated, four bucks for free. So yeah. you get cross-buy if you buy it through Amazon. So um, technically, you're getting two for the price of what? There you go. Um, so thank you for listening to The Dubious Consumers. Please like us and rate us on subscribe um, iTunes and Stitcher. You, if you rate us, that helps people find us. Um, be sure to email in for our topic next week, which is top three dream projects. Woo! So that will be our nerd for the next week. Thanks for listening. And Nathan, do you have a final thought? I think my wife wants me to come home. <laughs> <laughs>